Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Batteround after a two-white, two-white, two-week hiatus. I am Paul Valley. He is Zach Goodman, and we are back on a beautiful Saturday morning here in the Baltimore area. Finally, not in the 40s to start the day out. Today's show brought to you by DraftKings. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers now and get $150, get $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $5 bet. See this and other great sportsbook offers at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Zach, good morning. It's been Two weeks since I've seen your beautiful, shining, smiling, freshly quaffed face. Uh, freshly quaffed. That's one word. You're, you're, one way to put it. Your your hair looks more quaffed than I think I've ever seen it before. It's a different look for you. It's, it's diff- the exact same look. No, you. you no, it is the exact same. No, look. You're, you're, I, I can promise you that. No, I didn't you know, know anything you, different. You, you know what it is. You, What's that? You've been wearing hats a lot more recently. I have been wearing hats a lot lately. You've been lately, wearing yeah. hats a lot more well, recently. I, I, sometimes I roll out of bed and I'm like, I don't really feel like taking a shower. Yeah, no, so. I, I, I get it. Yeah. I, I get it. Um, but this anyway. morning, <laughs> that was a weird way to start the show. Yeah, yeah. It looks like you you put a fresh comb through it and you look like you're up and ready to go. I think you even got a fresh beard trim too. Looking, looking I mean, maybe like four days ago. Oh. <laughs> I'll take the compliment though. I'm not uh, gonna. I'm yeah, not gonna. Yeah. I, I don't. I'm. I didn't say you look good. It just looks fresh. Okay. <laughs> just kidding. All I'm right. Just kidding. Good to see you again, buddy. Um, Orioles. They win the game last night, three to two over the. Um, oh my gosh, the Kansas City Royals. Why did that slip my mind? Tyler Wells goes six and two thirds innings, allowing two runs. Although, although, it really should have been one. It should have been one run because well, Mike Mike Bauman comes in. First of all. He throws a pitch that's perfect. In no world is it a ball. Guy call, the umpire calls it the ball, and the next pitch he spikes a 96-mile-an-hour fastball in front of the plate for a wild pitch, and the run scores. But that's neither here, neither here nor there because the Orioles got the victory last night, 3-2. to two. Uh, Hayes, first pitch in the home half of the first inning, hits it over the shortest part of the left field yes. wall for the leadoff home run. Uh, Jorge Mateo contributed an RBI single in the... Uh, in the second inning, Gunnar Henderson, 3-for-3, three three, steals two bases, also got picked off twice, though one of them turned into a stolen base because he was safe on the pickoff uh, throw to second. Um, looks like looks like Gunnar is starting to break out a little bit, and we've thought yeah. this at different times throughout this season, but he gets himself a haircut, then he hits a... Go ahead, or uh, uh, not go ahead, but he hits a two-run homer to give them insurance in their victory on Wednesday, and then I, I'm sorry on Thursday, and then he ha- goes three for three with two stolen bases uh, and scores the Orioles' second run on the Jorge Mateo base hit yeah. in the second inning. Um, how big is it for this offense if Gunner is starting to come alive? Well, the the need for a middle of the order bat has been amplified. Over the past mm-hmm. uh, two weeks, three weeks, so I, I think it's, it's almost like we kind of knew what we were talking about. I said well, the team needs a absolutely. Bat in the I mean, absolutely. And, and and you saw those people on Twitter, which I know we're going to get to later when when Ryan Blake comes in. But people, I, I think everyone kind of realized the Orioles needed a bat. But I think now we're seeing just how much. And, and there's guys in the lineup who aren't providing the way they should be. Ryan Malcastle is one of them. We know he has an illness and he's been out for a little while now. Um, even though he played two days ago, and but. 
when I mean out, his bat hasn't been really showing up either. So whether he's six he's, for thirty three, whether yeah, whether he's sitting on the bench or whether he's actually in the lineup, he's not doing much. Mm-hmm. So Ryan Mountcastle hasn't been there, and that's a middle of the order bat for probably ninety percent of games this season. More recently, he's been batting six, but I'm talking about as a three or four hitter. Santander, he's been cold and hot. That's kind of what he does throughout his career. That's that's pretty uh, on par for Anthony Santander. So they do need that middle of the order bat, and all off season we talked about. We need one of those that isn't going to be a guy like Gunnar Henderson. It has to be a free agent, someone you make in a trade, whatever it is. But it looks like all of a sudden now that Gunnar Henderson is turning into that guy, at least for the past two weeks. I think he's slashing like 295 with something like a 395 on base percentage over the past, I don't know, like 10 games or something like that. He's been excellent as of now. So let's hope that continues. As of now. As as of now because he hasn't been all year. But as of now he is he is playing at I think the level. term you're looking for is as of late. As of late. Okay, yeah. But as of now, <laughs> as of now, he is showing up like we expected Gunnar Henderson. It, it, it's funny cuz we're going to get into take to rake later in the show, but it didn't look like anybody had had anything worthy of two winning. Two week take to rake, I guess, right? Yeah, it was two okay. week take to rake. Didn't look like anybody had had anything worthy of winning and then Gunnar Goes four for his last four, including a home Who run. Who took Gunner? I can't even remember. Connor Newcomb. It was Connor. It was, Con- okay. it was Connor Newcomb. But we'll get into that uh, in a little okay. bit, though, because we we don't know for sure that that that, that means that he won. Okay. But we'll we'll get into that. Um, since our last show, Cedric Mullins has gotten hurt. Yes. And they went out and they signed Aaron Hicks. We're thinking, oh, it's Colton Kowser time, but yeah. he was injured at the time. Or, oh, you know, maybe they'll call up Jordan Westberg and move Jorge Mateo to yeah. the outfielder or. Frazier or somebody, um, or maybe may, maybe they're going to give Ryan McKenna more more playing time, which they have, by but, the way. Uh, yeah, and he's been terrible, and he's been awful. Last yeah. night, last night was probably three at bats that were some of the worst of his season. I think for Ryan McKenna, and you he look at, lost. You look at the game the other day when they were losing to the Brewers, going into the bottom of the ninth, ten to nothing, or top of the ninth, ten to nothing, and they the first four guys immediately get, get reach base. It's ten to one. And McKenna comes up and he immediately grounds into a double play. Yeah, the run scores. Yeah. He doesn't get credited with the RBI. One hundred five seven. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that because one of our guys works for one hundred five seven. I used to work for one hundred five seven. I work for the show and I like the people over there. But my whole point is that when you ground into a double play, you don't get credited with an RBI. Yes. Anyway, um, he comes up after f- the first four guys reach and he immediately grounds into a double play. And not that the Orioles are coming back from a 10 to nothing deficit, but it's just a microcosm of what's been going on with him. He had a really hot three-week stretch, and it bought him more playing time. Cedric Mullins goes down, and you're thinking, okay, maybe he'll slide in and take over. And he uh, he does not. He He's, what is he, two for his last 23? Not, I mean, it's not good, regardless yeah. of what it is. He's under 200, I guarantee you. And I know there was a time where Ryan McKenna was batting, what, 305? His on-base percentage was like 370, and people were like, oh, this is the Ryan McKenna that was in Frederick hitting really well a few years ago, and it's it's really not the case. Yeah. I mean, he went through a few hot games, and he got, again, he got hot. Like many of the hitters on this team do, he's he's one of the streaky hitters on this team. Uh, and right now, he's he's in the middle of a slide, like the rest yeah. of the offense. Yeah, the and, and the thing is, you have to look at it, and somebody said this about Aaron Hicks, because the whole point of bringing up the Cedric Mullins injury... I was going to say, we got to get to Aaron Hicks, yeah. Yeah, other than... Um, other than the fact that you have to talk about Cedric Mullins because he yeah. got hurt, the whole point is they brought in Aaron Hicks. Yes. I wasn't a fan of it. You weren't a fan of it. No. And all he's done is play really good defense and reach base in all eight games that he's been here. Uh, six for 20, a home run, a triple, and four walks in shorting yep. the Orioles. 
like I said, not fans of the signing, but he stepped up big in Cedric's absence. And yeah. You don't anticipate that Cedric would have been much better than, that you know, than, than six for yeah. 20 with four walks and really good defense, a triple and a home run over the last 10 days um, or eight games, we'll say. It's been a really nice bonus in yeah. an otherwise really, really poor offensive couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, it, it, I mean, last night you see Aaron Hicks batting fourth. And that's one of those situations where you look at the lineup and you just groan because Aaron Hicks, who was batting, who was what, a 58% worse than league average hitter just a couple weeks ago with the Yankees, Mm -hmm. is now batting fourth for the Baltimore Orioles. And that just goes to show, regardless of what Hicks has done, I mean, he's been good, but that just goes to show you how much they need that middle order bat, that Aaron Hicks is the guy right now that's batting fourth. And regardless, again, Aaron Hicks could do what he did in 2017. He could come back and hit 27 home runs for the Orioles this year, which obviously it's not going to happen, but... Let's say it did. He still wouldn't be that middle of the order bat the Orioles need. They need right. someone who is an absolute, just hits all year, consistent. And we thought that guy might be Jose Abreu. He's been really bad for the Astros, even though I think he hit maybe did he hit two home runs last night? Or was one. only one. Okay, one. Uh, but he started to maybe come on a little bit as of late. Uh, JD Martinez has been good for the Dodgers. There's some other guys who could have been that guy, but Aaron Hicks. Let's be honest. He's not that guy. Yeah, he's just not that guy. And, and Brandon, he's in the middle of a hot stretch. And and Brandon Hyde tends to do this. Somebody has a nice showing in a game. Mm-hmm. They hit a couple of balls hard. Even if one's caught, one lands for a double. Or in Aaron Hicks' case, it's a home run. Yeah. And he gets robbed of another big hit. And he's like, oh. Let me put him in the four hole. Right. He did it with Ramona Rios. He did it with, with yeah. James McCann. And it's it's just we've seen him bat Ryan McKenna fifth. I don't think times. in any way you can overreact to what uh, Aaron Hicks has done so far. I think you have to take it with the most literal grain of salt ever. Like th- this has to be. You look at it and you go, okay, this is a hot two weeks for him, and really mm-hmm. twenty at bats. I mean, twenty at bats is so. Nothing. So what you're saying is you can overreact. No, I'm saying I, I'm saying you shouldn't overreact. I'm saying you oh. should. I mean, he's been good, but I'm saying I, I really highly doubt you, this lasts for a long time. That's you, just not you, my expectation. Well, exactly, and you have to look. It's like Jorge Mateo, mm-hmm. right? So Jorge Mateo, he hit three thirty three with a three seventy seven on base percentage in April. It was really nice. We were kidding ourselves right. if we thought that that right. one month meant that Jorge Mateo that we've seen for the last year and a half prior was suddenly this guy. Yeah, and I, I think we got fooled to a degree because we heard about what he did during the offseason and the changes he made and they you know steps forward he was taking that the Orioles coaching staff thought clearly not really the real Jorge and, Mateo. And and look, the bats been better in June as of May, late. May he, he, they posted a stat on Apple TV last night during the game broadcast. He was he's hitting 145 mm-hmm. since the beginning of May. Connor Newcomb said it was one of the worst months in MLB history. Yeah. Based on the research he did. So. Yeah. It's um I mean, I don't know how I don't know how you research that because I don't know. I mean, I, I would assume Chris Davis and when he went over fifty four to start you know, the season had a worse month. I, I, I love Connor, but how you would literally have to go through Did you see that tweet I'm talking about though? That he that he said? No, okay. but I mean you you'd have to go through every player in history. Yeah, I guess you would. You know, I, I don't like, know. like I, I don't know. I, I maybe it's for people that used to be stars. I don't. I don't know. But, I'm, not, I'm not sure what exactly he did. But next time but, we have on the show, we can ask. Yeah. Um. And, and again, it's not. To, it's not to disparage him. It's just. A, it's a. It's a. It's a bold statement to make. Um. Because Chris Davis was like like you said. You mentioned him. He was in like 145 at the beginning of June a couple of a few years yeah. back. So, um. But Aaron Hicks. It's one of those things, man, where it's like, look, he wasn't brought in here to suddenly take over a spot for the rest of the year. Right. 
he's brought in here to take over for Cedric Mullins for three, four weeks while he gets healthy. Right. So we're now two weeks into the Aaron Hicks era for the Orioles, and he's playing well. Yeah. You can't be mad about what he's been doing for the team through eight games. He's reached base every time. I yeah. mean, he's got, what is it, uh, 10 for 24? Yeah. So So he's... He's 6-for-20, but he's reached base 10 times in 24 plate appearances. That's really good. Right. That's really good. So that's what we need to look at, and it's it's important to not overreact to these things. Exactly. And exactly. E- even if you jokingly overreact, people are going to let you know right. on, on the, in the Twitter well, sphere. Yeah, it, uh, absolutely. Well, like, read, read a room, people. My God. Look, I mean, June 30th, we'll probably look back on this show and go, Aaron Hicks was the worst signing in this, in this team's uh, entire, you know, entire past two years or whatever it is. But I, I think that Aaron Hicks is probably getting a breath of fresh air right now. He sees different surroundings, and he's played in this division for a while, so he knows that well. well. And that's the next point that I have here in the notes yeah. is he was allowed to grow a beard and trim it the way he wants to, and he can be more of himself. The Yankees don't let you do that. And there's pressure in New York, huge uh, pressure. Yeah. How antiquated is the Yankees' facial hair policy. I know it's a weird thing to bring up, but I've seen it a number of times where a guy goes to play in New York, they make him shave all of his facial hair and cut his hair, and then he's not the same player because he's not comfortable in his own skin, and then he leaves and gets to look the way he wants to look again, and he's suddenly a good player again. Uh, It's... What's the deal with you can't have facial hair? I think especially as you see corporations around the world and not baseball teams specifically but you know most corporations take a more i think progressive approach to everything they're doing um that is not a progressive approach in any way in saying you can't do this with your own face Mm -hmm. grow a beard like that that doesn't make any sense to me yeah that's almost like it's almost oppressive in a way (laughs) it is it's almost oppressive like it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me and it never has it's it's very antiquated and we we live in i remember I remember ten years ago, right? Because I've been able, I've, I haven't always had a beard. Mm-hmm. You know, I worked, at, I worked in. A Wait, mer- when you were like ten, you didn't have a beard? <laughs> well, I'm, crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm 38. <laughs> so it, it, ten years ago, when I was 28, I still didn't have a beard. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to grow a beard by the place that I worked at full time until January of 2014. Okay. Um. So I've had a beard for nine years. Uh, if 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 you see me clean shaven. It's because I made a mistake trimming my beard. Mm. That's when I end up cleaning. I feel shaving. like your beard would grow back in like a week, though. No, it doesn't. No, it okay. it it takes a good bit. Hmm. It it takes a good bit. Like like I, tr- the last time I trimmed my beard was probably three and a half, four weeks ago, and my wife likes it thicker, and it I feel like it's growing at a snail's pace. It is nowhere hmm. near the thickness my wife prefers to that. But it was get, starting to get a little straggly and sloppy looking, so I had to trim it down, and I trimmed it down fine, thinking, oh, by the time I go away on my golf trip, it'll be back to where I want it. Nope, it's not even close. Hmm. Um, How was that golf trip, by the way? It was fun. Okay, we, my, our team, uh, my, me and my three buddies on Friday and Saturday, we won everything both days. Wow. Um, I was the worst player of the three. Nice. Um, I still shot in the nineties. I still had my share of birdies and pars and I contributed, uh, I contributed to a lot of money that we won. Um, but everybody else, I shot like 94 and I shot like 96, which and I, I played terribly. I played terribly mm-hmm. and I managed to pull it together on some holes, but the other guys, uh, my buddy Dave 
shot 81 both days. My buddy Chris shot 82 and 87, and my buddy Joe shot 88 and 92. Um, Nice. And because of our handicaps, because what, what so happened was I played worse than my handicap, but the other three guys all played better than their handicap. Got it. They all Got played it. really well. But we won all the money. Good stuff. All of it. Um, so anyway, what was the whole point? Oh, so anyway, so some of these guys I was on the trip with, you know, 10 years ago when I was trying to apply for jobs, trying to get out of the restaurant industry, trying to get into the sports world, um, they said to me, you're going to have to shave your beard. Corporate America wants you to be clean shaven mm-hmm. and look the part. You're going to have to shave your beard. That is not the case anymore. Not anymore, no. It's no. not the case anymore. As long as you look clean and professional. Yeah. Look, I work in corporate America. I think today it's more about the way you dress than anything else. Like, yeah. If you're going to come in like a t-shirt to, you know, to your job, for example, then I don't think that would be taken very well. Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, in my industry, in, in the real estate industry, I see a lot of agents wearing t-shirts really they, okay. they uh, hmm. not when they go to show houses or meet with a buyer but when they just go to work to be in the office and make calls and do paperwork and computer work they're in t-shirts and jeans because it's it's relaxed when yeah. i when i go in there if i don't have any meetings and i don't have any and i don't have to see anybody i'm wearing jeans and a polo you yeah. know so you can dress freely and it's a it's just the whole point of this conversation that has nothing to do with baseball circling it back into baseball is the New York Yankees are a professional baseball organization. Yes. Their players have a uniform that they wear on the field, and that's it. When, 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 they're, in, when they're in practice and before the games and the warm-ups, they're wearing T-shirts, hats, and shorts. When, yeah. when they go out, when they're not at the stadium, they, they look however they want. You're not going to let your guy grow a beard and be the best player they can be. Because I'll tell you right now that if you right. don't feel comfortable, I, I can tell you if the circumstances aren't all aligned for you, you're not going to perform to the best of your abilities. If you don't yeah. feel comfortable with the, with how you with with how you are, with who you are, with the way you look, you're going to underperform. It's just a fact. I think it kind of plays into the whole Yankee tradition and the fact that the team's been around for you know well over a hundred years now, and and what they've all accomplished and the history and the rich history of that team, I think is why they, they still do this. Oh, but I know why they I, still I, do I don't, it. But. I, don't have a, I don't have a reason as other than that as to why they would do it, but it's it's a little odd. And, and again, like the, the pressure playing in New York is insurmountable. I mean, it's really tough for a lot of guys. You saw Garrett Cole, who, you know, by all means, was one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball for three or four years with, uh, with the Pirates and then Houston, become really, really bad for about a season. And then he finally figured it out once he learned how to play under the pressure of New York, and now he's one of the best again. Yeah, I mean, remember Randy Johnson? Yeah, go, exactly. Going go, yes. go to the Yankees. And Randy Johnson always had his little his little goatee or his soul patch, or and they, he had to shave. And I'm not saying that Randy Johnson had, having to shave. And if you're out there and you're thinking, oh, these guys think these guys didn't play well because they couldn't grow a beard, that's not the point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the, it's the antiquated philosophy and the pressure cooker that is the Yankees and, right. and playing in New York that even Hall of Famers who Randy Johnson is a four-time, he won four straight Cy Youngs yeah. it, like in his late 30s, early 40s. The fact that he went to New York and pitched to a five ERA just kind of shows you. It kind of proves the point. And Aaron Hicks, he gets to go to play play for a younger team who's loose, who wants to play for each other. There's not all the pressure of where you're playing. You're playing in Baltimore. You're not playing in New York. And suddenly yeah. he's looking more like the player that he was that got him that seven year, seventy plus million dollar contract. So my point is that 
maybe they should kind of loosen the strings a little bit maybe. on their players. Yeah. Um, Felix Bautista, moving on to baseball-related stuff. Uh, Felix Bautista last night, three up, three down, strikes out two. He had th- struck out the first two batters on six straight pitches, all of them right at around 100, 101 miles an hour. His last 14 games, 35 strikeouts in like in like 17 innings. Wow. 35, oh, I'm sorry, in 15 and the, 15 and the third innings, 35 strikeouts, 0.59 ERA, that's one earned run. I'm not sure, Zach, that he has ever been better. And that's saying something because he's had some stretches where he looked yeah. unhittable. Yeah. The way his pitches move, I don't know how you hit it. There was a pitch that he threw to Rowdy Telez the other day, and it was 102 miles away, uh, 100 and mile, 102 miles an hour, tailing away from Telez, and he just flicked that in and missed it. I don't know how you hit that pitch. I don't know how you do it. Is he the best closer in baseball? I think right now, absolutely. I, I don't think you can make any argument otherwise. Um, he's been excellent, and obviously he went through that little stretch where guys were starting to get on him. It started it started really with Javi Baez uh, getting on that fastball and breaking up the save opportunity for Felix uh, in that Detroit series. But then since then, uh, he, he had some bad save opportunities and then finally started to figure it out. And then, like you said, these past 14 games that he's had opportunities or he's pitched in a close game or whatever it is, he's been unbelievably excellent uh throwing hard the splitter's been on point I was worried about the splitter a little bit because you know you know as well as anyone how hard of a pitch that is to throw and perfect Mm -hmm. it's really a feel thing more than anything else because that it's hard to hold the ball between two fingers like that and throw a splitter that's incredibly difficult so it's very easy very easy to hang one of those and have it just get absolutely destroyed but it hasn't happened in a while for him and you saw one of the swings last night I can't remember the hitter because most of those in Kansas City's lineup are not not very notable. Uh, it might have been Michael Masty, but I can't remember. Um, just absolutely flailed at a splitter, even though it wasn't the best location for him. He threw it mm. kind of middle-middle, but it's such a good pitch, and it drops so well when he has that feel for it, and it has so much vertical dip on it that it's it's almost impossible. And then when you throw 102 up in the zone, no one's going to touch that right. either after that. It, it's just it's lethal combination and for right the, now for, for Felix. The splitter that was middle-middle, that the guy just flailed at, mm-hmm. that's why you don't really get mad because the one earned run that he's allowed in the last 14 games was the splitter that he hung that Judge annihilated yes. to tie the game, and the Yankees ended up winning that game in extra And, and that's what I mean about it being such a feel pitch. That's it's, part of it. But the but the fact that he hung it, 95% of hitters yes. pop that pitch up because they're protecting for 102 up in the zone. Right. So they're, they're getting started early. You know, Judge happened to think, Splitter's coming. I'm going to stay back and I'm going to hit it. Yeah. And it happened to be right in his wheelhouse. This, um, the hitter, you, whoever it was last night that you were talking about, you're you're trying to fight off 102 up on your up and in on your hands. Right. Uh, yeah, you're going to look r- ridiculous even on a hanging splitter. You've really got to sit on one because you yeah. have so little time to recognize pitches anyway. If you're sitting on a fastball and then he throws you a splitter and you still decide to swing, you're mm-hmm. not going to hit it. Yeah, you're not going to. And hit if it. you do, you're not going. You're either going to hit it straight into the ground, or you're going to pop it straight up. Right. Or you'll be any- so early that you'll just barely get the bad end on it, and that's yeah. all. It's all it's going to be. Yeah. So, so he he's been absolutely nasty. Um, Yenier Cano got off to a his, to an historic start. He has not been nasty. He's still been good. Mm-hmm. He's still been good, but he seems to be giving up a couple of hits every time he goes out there now. Um, he manages to wiggle out of it, but is there any... The ERA is still sparkling. The whip is still sparkling. Um, I think he's still only walked two guys this entire season. Yeah. Is there any kind of concern on your end 
about Cano because he has looked much more hittable recently. No, I just think it's part of the learning process. You know, mm. guys are going to start to understand what he's doing at a better level and be able to hit that at a higher level. I think that's really what this is, what we're seeing. Um, so, no, I think he'll get back to being at a decent, decently dominant level once he uh, learns and starts to work through some of this, kind of like Felix did a yeah. few weeks ago. Um, it's not, is he always going to have an under one ERA, which I think he does right now, doesn't he? Am, am I wrong in saying uh, that? The last I saw it was .91. Okay, I, I, was saying, I don't think he's given up anything. I was going to say like .79. I couldn't remember what it was. But he's not always going to have that. He might end the year with a 1.7 or something like that. But that's okay because that's a still a really good relief season, number one. He's and number two, that's a learning process for him. 1-0 and with a 106 E. 106. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you saw the hit last night. I think it was on the second pitching through in the whole uh, in the whole appearance and pretty hard hit ball through the through the right side hole um, you don't love to see that and that's kind of been what we've seen a lot of but the home run ball hasn't really gotten to him yet that's a really good thing uh, not a ton of hard hits but you know let's just hope that he starts to work through this and he doesn't get caught up uh, too quickly by other guys and and let's hope he keeps being that eighth inning danger that he is his era through his first um Let's see, through his first 17 games was zero. Over his last 11, it's 292. Oh, no. He's still been really really good. He's yet to give up multiple runs in any outing. Um, And he has gone scoreless in um, five of his last six outings after allowing... um, a run in three of his previous five. So he's coming. He came back down to earth for a little bit, but now he's he's looking like that guy again. Right. Did give up two hits last night, but managed to get out because he got a double play. Ball. That double play was huge. Even though Mateo almost didn't turn that because yeah, he, but, he kind of bobbled the ball a little. Bit. And, and speaking of which, I know we I know we gotta get Stan on the line if you want to give Stan a call. Okay. But um, the internal clock of. Ramona Rios at second base last night was a thing of beauty, and it happened to be the times I noticed it were both when. Salvador Perez was the base runner, but um, Arias made this diving play up the middle, and he got up, and you're like, why are you moving so slowly? And it's like, oh, because it's might as well have been Albert Pujols running. Makes this sparkling, dazzling, backhanded diving play behind the bag, and then gets up, takes his time, and makes a right, the a, a good, accurate throw to the first base and still gets him by two steps. Then on the double play that Zach alluded to, Jorge Mateo, the ball gets stuck in his glove. He flips it over to Arias, and Arias manages to still take his time and get the guy at first because it was Salvador Perez running. It's that internal clock to know who the base runner is is so important. And we saw Gunnar Henderson a couple times make errors this year trying to rush throws when he didn't need to. Sometimes he needed to, but there have been times where he rushed throws he didn't need to rush because you got to know your runner. And Ramona Arias, for all the talk that we hear about how he doesn't have a lot of pop and he hits a lot of balls on the ground, he is an elite defender and he's got a great internal clock. Uh, defensively. want to remind you, today's show is brought to you by the Toyota Tacoma, which comes in a range of models and trim lines, and you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Joining us now on the line, it feels like it's been an eternity, but it's only been two weeks. He is Stan the Fan. Charles, Stan, good morning. How are you today? How you doing, guys? How you doing? We are doing very well, especially after that Orioles 3-2 to victory last night. Stan, Tyler Wells gets the ball last night. Goes six and two-thirds innings, lost five hits, two runs, one walk, and four strikeouts. Uh, Stan, he's allowed just one home run in his last three games uh, after allowing nine in the previous five. 31 strikeouts his first 
uh, seven outings, 44 the last six. That's 8.33 per start and 13.7 per nine. Staying with his low whip, the low on base percentage, and now an elite K's per nine number. How does Tyler Wells stack up against the game's best starters right now? Uh, well, he's, he's, he's pitching at a, a near elite level, I would say. You know, um, the home runs overall for the season are, are not great, but they're not. They're, you know that, that he's cutting them down right now, and he's being pretty pretty dominant. The batting average against one eighty one. Can't ask for much more than that from a starting pitcher right now. Yeah, and the, the point, the zero. The, the point. next thing, the next thing, it would be great is if he could go seven and a third. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like that's you know seven and two thirds and less than just a tiny bit the load that they had. But I did like the way uh, Brandon went about uh, building that uh, end of the game last night, getting Bauman for one batter and then going to Cano. But uh, uh, Cano's been interesting uh, of late. You know, it's not it's not as easy as it was for him when he first came up. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. Zach and I were literally just talking about that before we got you on the line. Cano, in his first 17 games, had a zero ERA. His last 11 games, right. it's 292. That's nothing to scoff at. But there right. was a point... Right where he had been scored upon in three of five innings. He used to look unhittable, and now it seems like he's given up a hit or two every time he goes out. He's still getting the job done. That ERA is still 106 on the season. Like I said, it's been a rougher stretch for him, and it's still a sub-three ERA coming out of the bullpen. Is this more so just a matter of the league adjusting to him, and then he has to make the proper adjustments to get back? or I, You know, I heard I heard Jeff Arnold. Uh, I was in the car last night during his uh, his inning. Uh, I was at the game, but then I had to uh, I had to meet somebody, uh, so I I left the game, which is very unusual for me. But I was listening to Jeff Arnold, and he was talking about how the hitters have adjusted to him. Exactly, what does that mean? He hasn't faced any Kansas City Royals. That's true. Until last night, I mean, what, what does that mean that they're adjusting to him? It's it's much more. The expression we found in fantasy baseball is a regression to the mean. Right. Nobody's going to go through a whole season and have a zero 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 ERA. You know. Right. So his overall work is still great. I would say it's just that the, the, the hits are falling in a little bit differently. I don't think anybody's he struck out thirty three batters and he's walked four. I don't see any great sign that they've adjusted to him and they're walking or something like that. He's going to 0-7-1 whip and a batting average of 171. So uh, Jeff was making this big case. You know, now it's his turn to readjust. I don't think that's uh, that's what's going on at all right now with him. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you said regression to the mean because that's something that kind of pops into, into my head too where you're, you know, like you said, you're not going to be not walking people, not giving up hits, not giving up runs all season. And and again, the rough stretch for him for 11 games is still a sub-3 ERA. He's been perfectly fine. It's just more noticeable when you look at how he started the season. Yeah. So I'm, I'm with you. There, the, the regression to the mean is really a, just sort of a fascinating phenomenon, you know, and it's it, it, it raises, it rears its ugly head all the time in fantasy. Mm-hmm. that you look for somebody to get your team better. Like the other day I made a trade. I traded Kikuchi, the pitcher for Toronto, and I got back Mitch Garver, who was just coming off the DL, and I, I needed something else in the deal, and I got this Zach McKinstry, who was hitting 289 when I made the trade a week ago. He's down to 259. 
He went 30. He's dropped 30 points in one week. Um, that's that's what regression to the mean is. That he wasn't a near 300 hitter. Yeah. So we'll see if he we'll see if he can elevate it again. But likely he's not going to reach to 289. You know. Well, and it's like it's like what Buck used to say. There, there's no mistakes in this game. You play 162 games. That's a lot of baseball games. And the regression yes, of the mean is. is just it just shows. You know, everybody gets hot. Everybody gets cold. It is yep. you. 162 games. You are who you are. You know who you yep. are by the end of the season. And that's kind of and that's kind of what that means. That's how that's how I take it as regression yep. to the mean. Now, Austin Hayes, there's been no regression to the mean for him to this point in the season. First pitch of the home half last night, Austin hits a, a leadoff home run. He added a double off the wall in left center later in the game. Like I said, better leadoff last night, but Stan, he's been moved to the middle of the order. We talked about this on the show with you a few weeks ago, saying it was a move that should happen where you bat Hayes fourth because there's no real true cleanup hitter. And it kind of just separates the bats of Santander and Mountcastle. Mountcastle's been moved down to six. We're going to talk about him here in just a second. But Austin Hayes having a really nice season. How do you feel now that it's finally happened where they're putting him in more uh, productive, uh, giving him more productive opportunities, batting him in the middle of the order? Well, it's interesting that you're asking that because last night he let off and he hit the first pitch of the ball game out for a home run. But uh, I think the the idea against – against certain pitchers of having him be in the cleanup spot is is probably a pretty good idea right now. You know, he's also a guy who could bat third uh, in front of Santander. Right. Uh, You know, with with the way Henderson is starting to hit right now, you know, Henderson looks good in that fifth spot. And maybe I like Hayes a little bit more in the third slot. But, uh, you know, it, it's been interesting. They're they're learning to live without uh, Cedric Mullins, who I think we now know just how important he was because yeah. the offense looked very flat for a few games uh, during this stretch. Those two games in Milwaukee, the first two games, and two-thirds of the third game were very, you know, it was sort of a sleepy offense, you know. Yeah. Stan, have you seen a drastic difference in the swing decisions by Austin Hayes? I mean, that's one of the big things that we talked about all offseason with him is if he can stop swinging at so many outside sliders or get fooled by the breaking ball so much that he's going to be able to become a better hitter overall. Have you seen that happen? I, I've seen – I would say that that's a good way to describe what I've seen with him. You know, we haven't seen Austin Hayes, number one – and let's be perfectly honest, it helps when you stay healthy, yeah. you know, and Austin seems to always be cropping up with, uh, I'm, I'm sorry to even talk about this, like I'm putting it out there, but he he always seems to have some kind of questionable, like a leg pull or his hands got hit twice or something like that. He's battling. He's been very healthy this year. A 344 on base percentage for him is really a robust on base percentage. I don't think, you know, I think that's kind of the top we'll ever see from him, but it's been, it's been pretty darn good. It's pretty darn good. Look, I know we're going to get into Mountcastle. Look at the, look at the peripherals on the two of them. I got them up on my screen. Hayes has 54 strikeouts and 13 walks, and he's having a 306, 344 season. Mountcastle has 12 walks, 64 strikeouts. Doesn't seem like it's that big a difference, but his own base percentage is 264. Um, you know, Hayes has got a 502 slugging percentage to Mountcastle's 421. 
that's not the that's an and an OPS of eight forty six for Austin Hayes to six eighty five for Mountcastle. That's huge, and it all it really does all boil down to those numbers: the strikeouts versus walks. I don't know the exact number where it really it's like a a pivot point, but Mountcastle has fallen into a malaise that is just really really funky, and the club is quite aware of it and uh basically they've they've given him some days off for compression you know decompression uh and i don't know what's going to happen there i really don't well and, and here's the thing just just to finish up on austin hayes and you said you don't want to put the injury thing yeah. out there you know it was about a year ago right this it was about this time a year ago where he hit for the cycle against the nationals he had a really solid uh april and may the average dipped in june but the home runs and, and the rbis went up and then he fell off a cliff so we're still in the first half the first part of the season that we were in last year where he was looking like an all-star to all of us so it's it's one of those things where when but he's, he's getting, a, but there's a there's a confidence level you see with him now yeah. where he he is really just zoned in, you know. I, you know, I made the comparison about three years ago to uh, to Brandon Hyde. I said, "Who who's a comp for him?" And he goes, "Geez, I don't, I don't know." And I threw it was a post game press conference, and I said, "How about Mike Trout light?" And he goes, "You know, I don't have to see." You know, you you sort of laugh at when you put a haze in the realm of a Mike Trout, but that's sort of what he's become. You know, is a Mike Trout light. He's not a great player, but he's a he's playing like a really solid veteran player right now. And I'll tell you, he when he gets the fastball, he he generally doesn't miss it. And he he hit he and the fact that he's going opposite field more right now uh, mm-hmm. is also something I really love to see from Austin Hayes. Now, moving on to Ryan Mountcastle, Stan, I thought that he was going to be the, the Orioles' Austin Riley. I really did. And the way he started this year, he had a nine RBI game. He had nineteen. He had eighteen, nineteen RBIs through the first two weeks of the season. Feeling great about him. And then it's like, you know what? Stan was right. There's no approach. It's swing hard and hope. He he doesn't walk. He doesn't uh, get get base hits. It's kind of like an all or nothing for him. Are you reading any tea leaves with Anthony Santander getting more playing time at first base? And what are the Orioles going to do with Ryan Mountcastle if he doesn't snap out of this thing in a big way? Um, that's that's an interesting question. And sometimes you end up losing ball players. You know, they go through something that you can't you can't uh, you can't take the time that you know the the big difference for Ryan Mountcastle now is he's never played in games that really meant anything, okay? Right. In other words, when, when the Orioles turned the corner last year and were third, you know, what were we last year? 80, 80, what, what was that record? 83 and 79. And it was an improvement of how many, 30 games or something 31 like that? 31 wins, 31 wins. Okay. So with that, you know, and the fact that uh, Mike Elias said, hey, you know, uh, there's, there's no more rebuild or with long launch time is over. You know, we're, we've launched or something. Whatever he said, you know what I mean. Liftoff. The games now, the liftoff yeah, is here. The games mean something now, okay? Mm-hmm. Where, where Ryan Mountcastle was probably able to find comfort in the last couple seasons was that there was no pressure on him. There was really no pressure on him. He was given the position because he was a lousy team. Uh, they played him over, you know, they started playing him at first all the time over Mancini. 
Then they got rid of Mancini, and it was just his job. And nobody has ever held him accountable. I sound like I'm talking about Donald Trump. <laughs> it, it, nobody's ever held him accountable for the, the dark hole in his game. And that is the fact that he strikes himself out too much. Yeah. He helps the pitcher too much. Now, it's funny. I sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth with Cano when I heard that thing about how he's got to adjust now. It's not the same as a hitter. Mm -hmm. the, the word is out on Mountcastle, how, how, how to attack him. And you see smart relief pitchers who are going to face him one time. They just know that they don't have to throw him strikes. Yep. yep. You know? So I've got to be honest with you. I'm not so worried about what the hell they're going to do with them. You know, they're, I'm telling you, they're right on the precipice of being able to move, being willing to move on from him. And the clear-cut move, and I'm not saying they would, release him or something like that. I, I don't know what the end game might be, but it's not, it's not like he's going to get a three or four week extended look again, you know, where they're going to, he's got to figure this out. And, and by the way, I don't say it lightly how hard it is to hit major league pitching. Yeah. You know, uh, you and I and Zach, we talk about the game and make it sound so easy in the numbers you're up there against a guy who can throw 99, 102 and drop splitters in, you know, and sliders. It's not an easy game, but he has never figured out. And, and it always worried me about his game back even the year that he was the MVP of the International League, that the strikeout to walk ratio. And I've told the anecdote 50 times to people about when Buck Showalter bumped into him for the first time in the, in a clubhouse. And he, he met him and he said, uh, Ryan, I noticed last year you only walked 12 times. And Mountcastle kind of chuckled and said, yeah, how about that, Skip? And and Buck said, and Buck was telling this to the writers this before, well before he was a major league player. Mm. He said, why are, you, why are you laughing about that? You know, and he, yeah. he like sort of brought him, brought him back to reality. He said, "That's how you're gonna. That's how you're gonna get good or great, is by, you know, that those numbers are where, where a hitter's hidden, you know, mojo is, and he just can't do it. To me, the most obvious move to me would be Kowser up, McKenna down, and seeing a lot of Santander at first base yeah, and, and, and giving Mountcastle almost exclusively." Some starts against left-handed pitching, and I'll tell you, you can live a lot more with a 28-year-old switch hitting first baseman hit 33 homers and 89 RBIs last year than you can uh, first baseman who's 25 but can't put the bat on the ball and can't get on base. Zach, you had a point to make. Yep. Yes, then I'm just wondering about uh, Aaron Hicks because we had a, a viewer comment something real quick, and I don't want to divulge from Mountcastle too much, but someone mentioned that Aaron yeah. Hicks has had really good at-bats both with the Yankees and with the Orioles. Yes, he has. Do you think that's specifically yep. why the Orioles targeted him? And we heard that uh, they targeted him even before Cedric Mullins was injured, but it only made more sense once Mullins was injured and they needed a backup at center field. Yeah, you know, uh, it, it's funny. Uh, Aaron Hicks is an interesting player because I play fantasy baseball. And he's always an attractive player. I mean, I had him. I was the first guy to have him in the league. Okay, when he was, and I was the first guy to have Jackie Bradley in the league. You know, I'm way ahead of myself, aren't I? Picking 
players that aren't good at that time. Aaron Hicks was a terrific player for the New York Yankees. He was a player that they thought enough of to invest $70 million, okay, for a seven-year contract. He, he began to have terrible injuries every year. And frankly, in New York, when you're viewed as a failure in New York, that's where the, the, the pressure cooker really starts to build up. He looks so much like he's playing so much more free and easy in Baltimore where he's going to have three reporters at his locker, you know, not 25 guys badgering him with questions that are all negative. You know, uh, I think he's just been able to breathe again and play the game that he loves to play. I know that sounds very simplistic, but uh, that was part of his part of his DNA was the ability to, to work counts and work pitchers, which is something, you know, we're getting back to Ryan Mountcastle. We'll never be able to say about Ryan Mountcastle. Boy, he really works the pitchers, you know. It's something you you almost have to have by this age or you don't have it, you know. And we saw with, with uh, Adley Rutschman, it's so refreshing to watch an Oriole batter work the count you know, work the pitcher. Uh, you know, he's in a little mini funk right now, but he's always got that in his DNA mm-hmm. that he can go up there and be calm and not get himself out where Ryan Mountcastle has nothing to fall back on. You know? And speaking of Adley... doesn't make me feel good. doesn't make me feel good to say this, but right. these are, it, it's pretty obvious right now. Yeah, and, and do... If I had to bet my money, if I had to bet my money, the Oriole first baseman, would be next year, it would either be Kerstat or uh, Santander. You know, yeah. I don't think Mountcastle will be on this team next. Year. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. especially if he if he doesn't turn things around here and and saying this, it's it brings nobody any pleasure to, to say bad things about the players. It, it's he's not... a he's a terrific guy. I yeah. mean, I, I don't know him well, but I've observed him in the clubhouse. He's level headed. His teammates like him. He's, he's an incredible athlete. He's To me, he's like a Mike Schmidt athlete that just doesn't have the, the real game that Mike had. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, and it's we walk a fine line with our analysis because you don't, you're not trying to disparage anybody, but at the same time, you've got to be honest about what you're seeing on the field if you want to do your job. Yeah, I mean, I, look, at my time when I was a quote-unquote controversial talk show host, yeah, I, I got pretty deep into fashion players. I'm older now, I'm more experienced, and I, and I realize that uh, it's easy for us to talk about the game. Those guys have a tough time. Nobody's feeling sorry for them. But, uh, you know, what's interesting, though, is you ask what's going to happen to him. He still is an interesting chip for some team that thinks that they can figure it out. And now if you throw, let's say it's a Jordan Westberg or it's a um, – even a Colton Kowser that, that they put in a deal and some team that's really not very good says, Hey, we can pick up Colton Kowser and Ryan Mountcastle. If we give up this pitcher and this prospect, let's go for that, you know, or something like that. He still can have value. And I'll tell you what, when you bury players, it's interesting. Have, have you uh, watched, I just read it before we went on the air here. Gary Sanchez has hit five home runs in his first 10 games with the Padres. Wow. He was twice released this year by the Giants and the Mets 
and the Mets only had him for three games and kind of said, hey, let's get out of this business, you know, the Gary Sanchez business. So, um, you know, I'm burying him for the Baltimore Orioles to a certain extent. I, I hope he proves me wrong, you know. Yeah, I, I hope he proves us all wrong. And I was I was the biggest um, Mount Castle supporter, and I still think that player is in there. I just think that he's in his own head, and he's just been struggling. So he's he's trying to swing himself out of it instead of just sitting back and being a baseball player. He's trying to swing his way out of everything, and, and it's just not and working the big out. Difference, right, the big difference for him right now is that the games mean something. Every night we're in a close game. You know, he can, I, I, I can't tell you for a fact this, but I bet that an awful lot of his home runs were when the team was up five to one, six to one, or, you know, I mean, he's hit some big home runs. I'm not saying it's all, but you know, now these games and you, you hear the stats about how many Oriole games are within two or three runs. Now that's vastly different when we were losing by seven, you know, our pitchers were being knocked out in the second inning, you know, and he's hitting home runs in games that don't mean anything. Now they mean something. And that's part of the, Part of the puzzle with him right now. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely, absolutely. Now we were talking a little bit about Aaron Hicks um, and him replacing Cedric Mullins for right now, and I don't think that Aaron Hicks was brought here to be an everyday player once Mullins gets back. Um, but he's filled in for him. He's he's got a three sixty four batting average and like a four eighty on base percentage uh, since he st- in the eight games he's played for the Orioles. He's reached base all eight times. So you all eight games. So you haven't really had a drop-off. If anything, he's provided a little bit more of a spark. But the Orioles' offense as a whole, Stan, has scored three runs or, or less in 10 of their last 14 games. They got a win last night, but so everybody ignores the fact that they only won that game last night against a very bad baseball team, 3-2. to two. What are the Orioles going to do about their offense? Because it hasn't been good for some time now. No, it hasn't, uh, and it's it's not a perfect offensive team. It's still got, you know, uh, we're talking about a team that they are clearly, I'm not saying they've given up on Mountcastle, but again, they're, they're, they're in the race for a wild card in the American League. It looks like the idea of besting Tampa right now is just, they're, they're playing otherworldly right now. Right. They, they really want to make the playoffs this year. It's an important thing for Mike and Brandon to make the playoffs this year. And um, they're, they're going to do some things shortly. I think that they, to me, I don't know how, I don't know how McKenna's up and Kowser's down at this point in time. You it, know? it doesn't make sense. Um, it doesn't make any sense at all. Um, yeah. And I think, I think you'll see them make that move shortly. And then when Mullins is back, three or four weeks from now, let's let's hope it's that short. Suddenly you have Mullins and Kowser on this team, you know, not McKenna and Mountcastle getting so many at bats, you know. Stan, when we talk about guys but like McKenna that can again, McKenna's a, a nice little ball player when you're when you're thirty games out of first place, you know. Um I you know, I look Buck Showalter when the Orioles were pretty good from 2012 to 16. Mm-hmm. He somehow loved Ryan Flaherty. Yeah. You know, I, I never saw it. Uh, managers do have their pets that they just say, this guy does everything right, you know, and I like to see that. But uh, at, at a certain time, talent's got to win out. Yep. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it's almost like go time to me for a couple of these young players, you know. Stan, Westberg you- and Cal, you know. 
when you look at guys like McKenna and guys like Malcastle, do you look at them, or do you think Mike Elias specifically looks at them as Duquette guys and not guys he he actually drafted himself, and that there's some sort of bias for Mike Elias towards those guys, or do you think he? I don't. I, I, doesn't I think understand that way. the nature. I understand the nature of the question. Mike Elias would no, love nothing more than for Ryan Mountcastle to be hitting 40 home runs. Oh, I know. I'm sure you know? you're right there. I'm sure yeah. you're right. But yeah. I, I mean, but but I but I know what you what why you're asking that question. There, I'll I'll give you an example of what you're talking about. Jason Worth was an Oriole prospect uh, drafted by Pat Gillick. Pat Gillick uh, knew that his mother was an Olympic athlete or something. She was an Olympic, I think, a swimmer or something like that. He knew that. He drafted Jason Worth, okay? Worth was a catcher who wasn't a very good catcher, okay? But his offensive peripherals were pretty positive. Sid Thrift, uh, Peter Angelos and Sid Thrift get into a tiff. Excuse me. Peter Angelos and Pat Gillick get into kind of a tiff. And uh, Pat Gillick is not retained. Um, He didn't kind of worship at the ring of Peter, and uh, he's gone. Sid Thrift is now the general manager of the Orioles, okay? Sid was a very colorful character and could talk your ear off about what he knew about baseball, but he immediately traded Jason Worth, traded him to the Toronto Blue Jays. And um, now the Blue Jays then made a mistake on him as well. Gets out to the Dodgers, and he has a couple really nice years in, in sort of the role if I recall, he would have been almost like a McKenna role that he was able to take and te- take to the next level. Yeah, there's, there's no question that Sid Thrift wanted nothing to do with a Pat Gillick draft pick. You know, there there was a definite bias. Like, let me get rid of this guy. And that's and that's a shame. So, Jason so Worth became a really nice that, player. Yeah, Jason Worth became a, a player that he was the first real piece that the Nationals brought in to help Ryan Zimmerman and make that team respectable. You know, uh, and he had five, five or six really good years, you know, in Philly and Washington, maybe eight years even that he was that good, you know, but that was, he was traded for, if I'm not mistaken, he was traded for a left-handed pitcher, a fringe left-hander named John Bale. Um, I remember John Bale. So, yeah. Yeah, not much, right? Yeah, not not much to remember, not, but I, I remember the name, and he was one of those guys that you hoped could be something and just never was. But yeah, um, yeah. Stan, you mentioned Adley Rutschman a little bit uh, earlier in the segment, and the offense has been sl- uh, slumping a little bit, but you don't really pay attention because he does he does such a great job defensively behind the plate, and he still gets on base, and he's still hitting two eighty. It's not like it's falling off, and he's hitting two forty, right? Um, but what right. I've noticed about Adley recently is he's had some awful throws down to second base. And I noticed this a couple of times last year, and he seems to seem to get out of it. Uh, I'm not concerned, um, but do you think that it's it has more to do with the pitchers that are on the mound and their inability to hold runners? Because the guys I've noticed it with are Yenier Cano, um, Felix Bautista, and, and also last night Tyler Wells, these bigger guys that have kind of slower deliveries to the plate. Do you think that there's something to that, and that's why the throws have looked so off? Yeah, I, I don't think his arm is quite as strong. You know, there was some talk last year that that was what was going on early in the year when he wasn't up, was that he really had some shoulder problems. And I don't know about that. He, he's, his accuracy 
is not what I'd like to see out of a catcher. But mm-hmm. but basically, we're talking about throws where he is really trying to rush to make up for how poorly the pitchers are holding some of the base runners. You know? Right. And, and it's that's a complicated. That's a complicating factor when when you continually give up bases uh, when you're t- top two relief pitchers. You know that when a guy gets on base, they can easily get in the scoring position. And that's yeah. that's the frustrating thing, Stan. Because if you get a, if you let a guy on base, and then Cano's in a, a case because he's been letting more guys on base recently than than Bautista has. If you're in a close ball game and the Orioles play nothing but close ball games, you got a guy on first base. They might as well be standing on second because of how slow the 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 stretch from how slow they are to the plate from the stretch. Is there anything that they can do about that? Is that just kind of who they are at this point? Um, I, well, I've never been a pitching coach, but sure. there are things sure. you can do. It's 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 probably complicated now by the the fact you can over, only throw over twice. Mm-hmm. You know that that there's limited stuff you can do, but uh, they've just got to do a better job at uh, you know making their move toward home plate a little bit faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it's. Well, something... I had a great answer. I I, I it's it's got to be. They, I'm sure the coaches can can tell them certain things, and they'll they'll change their steps in in how they take the set position. But the but the point is, you have to at least look over to a guy, you know. Yeah. And it's yeah. and Bautista especially, he it's almost like he's oblivious to it. And some of that might be because he goes, What the hell? I just I'll strike everybody out. Yeah, and he, and he and he and he basically does. Striking two out of three out. Yeah. Stan, and let's I I know we gotta we gotta get going here, but let's talk a little bit about Felix Bautista. Uh last fourteen games, thirty five strikeouts in fifteen and a third innings, just a one earned run allowed. That's a point five nine ERA. Stan, he's had some really dominant stretches in his career to this point. This might be the best I've ever seen him. How nasty has he been and is he the best closer in baseball right now? Um, I'd say he's I'd say the only thing missing from his his resume right now is 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 doing it when the games really mean something and and they are starting to mean something and he hasn't missed a beat you know so he's he's as dominant a pitcher uh, for for one inning as I've ever seen yeah. uh, I don't think there's uh, I mean Rivera is certainly at the top of that list as well. And, you know, there's a whole host of other guys. But this guy, you know, I'm thinking back to that game. Who was it that hit the home run off of him? It was Judge. No, no, in the in the Red Sox series. Didn't he give up the home run in the Red oh, Sox Oh, Duvall. That was Duvall, right? Adam Duvall. Adam yeah. Duvall, yeah. Uh, I'd, like to, I'd like, love to see them face each other again. I don't think the ball would touch the, touch the ball, you know. Yeah, I, I, um, I don't think and so. And the either. execution of the – the execution of the pitch to judge was, in my opinion, it was a very poor pitch selection. Um, even though I turned to my friend who I was watching the game with and I said, if he throws a splitter with perfect execution and it's 92 miles an hour, the judge won't touch the ball. And the ball just stayed up and, it, you know, it was just a terrible pitch. And when you're throwing 103 and a guy isn't touching you, uh, maybe you got to stick with 103. 
Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you, although I think that 95% of hitters, because they're trying to protect against 102, 103, would have probably popped that, that splitter up down the middle. It uh, judges, but, but it didn't split. It, it just stayed there. It didn't have any of the downward movement yeah. to it. It's, and that's it's what a, judge, judge is such a great hitter mm-hmm. that his reaction time was, you know, was a step better than anybody else. And I know? think, and Zach brought this up uh, in the opening segment today that you also, to hit that pitch the way the judge hit it, you got to be sitting on that. I, I, in my mind, judge was sitting there thinking he's throwing the splitter and then he just happened to pit the pitch that he was looking for, happened to get thrown and hung right over the middle. That's what I think yeah. happened. Uh, I, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. And Which then, means that it was a poor pitch, in my opinion, it means it's a poor pitch selection. The yeah. hitter's thinking along with you, you know. Yeah. He I, just looked so helpless against the 102-103. I would have just stuck with that a couple more pitches. And his know. fastball moves so much away from a left-handed batter and, and, and in on the hands of a right-handed batter that, I, I mean, a 102 up in the zone, they're not going to do anything with it mo- most of the time. Javi Baez, the one I mean, what? What he has that Mariano Rivera didn't have, and it's amazing we're talking about him in that territory, is that that leverage of being six seven, you know, to six eight, mm-hmm. uh, is just—it's amazing. It's like it's a—it's coming down, it's moving downward anyway, you know. And then you get the drop, the splitter when it really is thrown well. It's just—it's just too much for anybody to handle. Yeah. Know? I, I agree. And then finally, Sam, before we let you go, Grayson Rodriguez, two games started uh, for Norfolk since returning to AAA. 12 innings pitched, eight hits, three earned runs, six walks, 16 Ks. Six innings pitched in each start, which is good. How many of these starts does Grayson need to stack before he gets back to the big league level? Uh, I think some of that will have to do with, and it's interesting, we went this whole half hour without talking about today's starting pitcher, Cole Irvin. Yeah. Uh, I'm really interested in seeing what he what he's able to deliver to the team because I think he could give them a real shot in the arm, and I think also that would take the pressure of asking, when, when can we bring Grace? You know, if he is the pitcher that I saw for 80% of 2022, we're not going to be worrying about when Grayson Rodriguez comes up until somebody's injured. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, all right, Sam, what do you got coming up this week? Uh, don't have anything guest-wise set up for Monday, but Thursday, Gary Stein and I, so it'll be Ross, Grimsley, and uh, Luke and I, and we're probably going to go at 4.30 or 5 o'clock. Uh, my wife asked me for a date a couple of weeks back where we could have a couple family members over for a little barbecue. So I got them coming at six o'clock. Uh, so I'm going to do it at probably five o'clock. It'll be Ross and I Monday night and uh, Luke Jackson with us as well. Thursday at six o'clock, not because of my calendar, but because of his Gary Stein and I will talk with the new chairman of the Maryland Stadium authority, Craig Thompson, who took over for Thomas Kelso uh, and we'll talk to him about all things involved with the stadium and the uh, and what he does, what his real mission is, and uh, he's Governor Moore's man. So we're looking forward to that. Yeah, that'll that'll be a good one. Hopefully, we get some good insight on what's going on with the new lease agreement with the Orioles and the uh, and Camden yep. Yards. Yep. So, all right, Stan. Thanks so much. We will talk to you next week. Enjoy your all weekend. Right. All right. Thanks, guys. See you.
And that was Stan the Fan Charles, who has changed up his format for his weekly shows. Now every Monday at 6 p.m., Stan will be joined by former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley and Pressbox's managing editor Luke Jackson to break down the latest with the birds. Every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein will chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports as well. This week, Stan and Gary called up with Towson basketball coach Pat Scary. You can watch the shows live at Facebook.com slash Pressbox or find them the next day at PressboxOnline.com slash video and YouTube.com slash PressboxOnline. So join Stan, Ross, and Luke Jackson this Monday and every Monday night at 6 p.m. and Stan and Gary every Thursday. We got to catch a break when we come back in. It'll be, uh, we're going to sound off a little bit and then the payoff pitch around the league. That's next on the Bat Around. Hey, oh, super fans. Marvel Superhero Day is coming to Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Saturday, June 10th, when the O's play the Kansas City Royals at 4.05. Be one of the first 25,000 fans 15 and over at the game to receive an exclusive Adley Rutschman bobblehead inspired by Captain America. Come out to experience the Marvel Universe at Oriole Park and arrive early for Early Bird Saturdays. Gates open two hours before first pitch with happy hour, live music, and more. Buy tickets now at Orioles.com tickets. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farms stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, AJMichaels.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mmm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge. 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Welcome back to the Battle Round. Today's show brought to you by... 
PressBox offers. PressBox is offering new sports bettors the best sign-up bonuses and promos from seven from seven. I almost said illegal. From seven legal online sports books. Go to pressboxonline.com/offers now and get offers like $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $10 bet, or up to $1,250 in bonus bets from Caesars. Time is limited to get the best offers from all of the sports books. Go to pressboxonline.com/offers and sign up today. Uh, Zach, you have something that you want. Actually, we both have something that we want to sound off on. Uh, so why don't you introduce the segment? We're going to be doing this sure. what monthly. Yeah, I wanted to do it first show of every month, but obviously we missed the first show of this month. Uh, this is but, the first show of the month. We didn't. Well, miss it. we I, just I, missed the first Saturday. Technically, yeah, the first Saturday of every month, I guess I should say. Uh, I wanted to do power rankings, similar to how Stan does his. Uh, I guess he does it. Does he do it weekly for PressBox? I believe he does it weekly. It's weekly. It comes yeah. out like Monday or Tuesday. Right. So Stan does his power rankings. He does all 30 teams, and he gives background on every single team. He puts a lot of work into it. We're just going to do five teams for the length of the segment, for the sake of the length of the segment. So, uh, Paul, I'll let you start if you're ready to go. Who's your number five team in your power rankings right now? Uh, you start first. With okay. I, 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 I was ready to go with my number one, not number okay, five. Okay, got it. So, so I'm going to start off with a team that might surprise some people. I'm going to go with the New York Yankees. They've come on lately. Uh, the pitching has been okay. The hitting has been okay. There's nobody's really stood out on any level except Aaron Judge. It was 19 home runs, but he is on the injured list at the moment. Like usual, Aaron Judge spends about as much time on the trainer's table as he does on the field, unfortunately for them. When but, he's on the field, he hits over 50 home runs every year. Exactly. When he's on the field, he's the best player in baseball, arguably, uh, up there with Shohei Otani and, and a few others. But the, they, they're they now up to 37-28. and 28. That's good for third place in the American League East. I think they're only two games behind the Orioles at this point. They're well behind the Rays. They're, not, they're probably not going to win the division, and the Orioles don't really have a great chance of that either. But the Yankees are the Yankees, and every year they're going to go out, they're going to spend at the trade deadline. And again, I like to look at power rankings as what they've done currently and what they're going to do do in the future so to me the Yankees are number five right now just strong talent across the board of course you've got Garrett Cole who's pitching the probably the best he has in his Yankee career so far uh, he's been unbelievably excellent so the Yankees get number five for me my number five team is the Philadelphia Phillies really okay yeah and because it, uh, you want to look at this in in where do you think they're going to be at the end of the year but also how they're playing right now and the Phillies okay. have, have won six straight Trey Turner's getting hot Kyle Schwarber it's June he's the you'll hear me say it in the payoff pitch around the league. He's the juggernaut of June. He's just mashing the ball over the fence. Walk-off home run yesterday. Six straight wins. The offense is starting to click. Uh, Taiwan Walker, if he can figure it out. Ranger Suarez is starting to starting to figure it out um, as he's getting more and more acclimated to pitching this year coming off, coming off the I.L., I think that the Phillies are going to make a nice little run here for the rest of the season and get back into things. They're in third place. They're game out. They're game behind. Or I'm uh, their game under five hundred. I think that the Miami Marlins are in second place. Nobody's stealing the wild card. The Philadelphia Phillies are my, are my number five team. Okay, that's an interesting one here. I have the Rangers number four, and I wanted to put them higher, but they're still the Rangers, and I don't know what I believe in yet. And Jacob deGrom, obviously, is now out for the year, who was supposed to be their ace this year. Regardless, they still have other really good pitchers. I mean, Nathan Avaldi started 12 games, 2-2-4 ERA for him. You look at John Gray as a 2-3-2. Martin Perez is a 3-9-7. I mean, their bullpen's been really good. Will Smith, the closer, has a 2.86 ERA. Most of their guys in their bullpen have an under-3 ERA. This is a team that's very strong across the board. And then that's without even talking about the lineup. Corey Seager's batting 325. You look at Jonah Heim, it was a 332 OBP. There's just power up and down that lineup. There's over two guys who have nearly 15 home runs so far. Adolis is at 15. Josh Young is at 13. 
there's not really one weakness in that lineup outside maybe DH. I mean, Brad Miller has played 22 games. He's now on the injured list, hasn't been so great. But up and down that lineup, guys are hitting near 300. It's just dangerous. And I think Texas, when you you know when push comes to shove and they're in the playoffs, they're going to be a dangerous team because of the power they have on that team. And they could go out and add at the deadline. We know Texas loves to spend. I can't put them higher because of what they did last year. I think that's part of what plays into my ideas here too. But they're really good. New manager. Team's been hitting. Pitching's been really good, even without Jacob DeGrom. My number four team is the Atlanta Braves. Okay. Um, they're they're a really good team. The teams in front of them, I just think, are better, and that's that's really what it all comes okay. down to. I think I think the Braves are going to run away with the with the NL East, and I think they're, they're going to make a nice run in the playoffs. They they're my number four team because the other, the teams in front of them all hit and pitch, and that's really what it comes down to. to yeah, me. definitely. And, and the Braves do too, but these other teams I think are just better. Okay. I have uh, the Orioles at number three, and I know you're probably going to have them a little higher than me, I would think. They're not in my top five. Not in your top five. Okay. And I'll talk about that at the end of the power rankings. This one is more purely record-based than anything Mm -hmm. else. Um, Obviously, they have 39 wins. They're one away from getting to 40, which only two teams have done so far in the Rangers and the Rays. Uh, We'll get to the Rays in a second. I think we both know where we have them. The Orioles, for me, I think, again, this is based on what they might do with the trade deadline. Colton Cowser is going to add a huge difference to this team. When Cedric Mullins comes back, that's a huge add to this team. Uh, There's about three or four guys, I think, that are going to make big differences. So I'm looking forward to that, and I think that's why the Orioles earned number three for me. My number three team is the Houston Astros. Okay. I debated that. And and they've lost four straight games. I get that. That happens every now and again in a season. Um, But they pitch. They hit. They do. You know that's there, and the reason that they're not in first place is because the Rangers have just been that good. Yeah. You know the the Astros are going to be there at the end of the year. You know they're going to be in the playoffs, and what really ha- counts in the playoffs is they have playoff pedigree. Yeah. The, the, you look at the year that they went that they made the playoffs with a sub five hundred record, the twenty twenty truncated season, and they were a win away from going to the World Series despite yes. a sub five hundred record. There's something to be said for playoff pedigree and knowing what it takes to get to the to to the promised land once you get into that tournament. And so for me, the Astros are number three right now. I'm going to skip talking about the Braves uh, in much depth, but they're number two for me. I'm really confident in what they have across the board. You already talked about them in in depth, so I don't want to draw it out too much. You already talked about the Rangers in depth. depth. Uh, They're my number two team. Okay. Um, You know, they hit, they pitch. If you can do both, yep. and they, and they they, I think I saw that they're averaging like what they're doing off. They're averaging six point three. They're going to score a thousand runs. There's this like year. one two starters below two fifty. Yeah, batting average wise, like it's been unbelievable. And again, there's many guys approaching ten home runs. There's a couple guys you know over that already. It's it's unbelievable. You know the what? They, 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 they went and they spent a billion dollars the last two years yeah. in the off seasons. And it shows. I mean, we all hated on John Gray, and John Gray's been really good. He's been really good yeah. for them. You know, it sucks about, and, and it's even more heartbreaking when you see how brokenhearted and upset Jacob Degrom was. Yeah. But maybe Tommy John surgery will be the end of the in- injury issues for him. Maybe he'll, I can't uh, believe that. I can't either. But you know, it, just seeing how brokenhearted it really made my heart bleed for him. Yeah. You know, so um, but the Rangers number two, and then obviously we both have the Rays at number one. I mean, they're they're forty seven and nineteen. What else yeah. can you say and about the Rays? They, they started 13-0. and Now yeah. they have another seven-game winning streak. They're, they are so crazy good. And their offense, I haven't looked at their offense in a while, but if you look at what they're, what they're doing offensively, I mean, they have seven starters, I'm sorry, six starters batting 270 or better with a 340 on base it's, percentage it's or better. They, they, they have one, two, three, four. 
four, five, six guys with at least 11 home runs. Uh, and that's and we're talking about the Rays' offense right now before we even get into their pitching. And their pitching, you know, they, they lost Springs, they lost Rasmussen, and they still have... All, they have four legitimate starting pitchers with ERA as a 3-6 or below. Yeah. It is crazy how loaded they are every year in their starting rotation, and their bullpen is not nearly as good as you're used to seeing it, but it's still been pretty damn good. They're the best team in baseball, and honestly, it, it's not close. I mean, look at Luke Raley, who doesn't even start every day. He's only been in 49 games. He's slashing 257, 348, 586 with a 934 OPS. 11 home runs. And that's a guy who hasn't started every game, by and, and, not and even they, close. And he's considered a utility player. Right. Considered a utility player. Right. So, yeah, it's um, they're, they're the best team in baseball. It's impressive as hell, it as is. anything. Yeah. Um, Ryan Blake has joined us in studio. So what we're going to do is, first of all, we're going to let Ryan say hi. Ryan, you got a new hat. New hat. I got the uh, the City Connect hat. Yeah, yeah. Is, I, that, I is was, that fitted or is it a like a no, snapback? No, it's one of the uh, one of the adjustable. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not a snapback, but like the strap. And uh, yeah, I, I was you know I was long overdue for a New Orioles hat, mm-hmm. and so I'm uh, I'm glad I got this one. Sorry, I'm a little late by the by the no, way. My quite, cat cat peed on the couch. So. No, it's it's quite all right. We have two cats. We have two cats and a and a dog. Let me tell you, nothing hits quite as hard as coming home from a long day of work or a vacation or something to see that your cat has puked fun. in the middle of your bed. I, my in, cats, in, they're not pukers generally. Sometimes if they eat too fast. But um, I, one of them, we have three, and one of them, for some reason, has started just peeing wherever he wants. Nice. Usually on blankets. But uh, I don't know. Might have to take him to the vet and make sure he's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I'll tell you that when I was, um, I lived with a friend of mine, Danny. Uh, she had two dogs. And I lived with her for six years. We were great friends. We still are. Um, and I loved her dogs, and her dogs loved me. But they didn't love me when I left, especially Cleo. God rest her soul. I cried so hard when that dog died. Oh, my gosh. But um, I went on vacation. I came home, and Cleo was very mad at me for leaving. And she peed on my bed twice while, <laughs> while, while I was gone. And it, it was Yeah, it, you know, it's petty from the pet. And it was... Um, <laughs> I was I was so and the thing is I didn't even notice it. I came home from my vacation. This was back when I used to go with my buddies for ten for eight days and just drank our faces off the entire week. So I get home from this vacation, needing a vacation from my vacation. And I go down and I take a nap in my bed and I wake up to realize like I didn't pee the bed, people. All right. I woke <laughs> up and rolled over into her pee spot, and Ooh. that's how I knew that she that, that she peed on the bed. Nice. And that's it's just something that she would that she is was known to do when she was upset with one of her humans. Well, that's how it started with Pickle too. We got back from a vacation, and we we got two of these cats, I guess, almost two years ago now. And uh, the first day we had him, he pooped on my Orioles carpet, mm. which fine. He didn't know where the litter box was. He was still scared and learning a new environment. No accidents. And then Megan and I come back from I think seven or eight day vacation and uh he just decided he was mad at us and uh, and since then he periodically goes to the nice. bathroom on our couch blankets and i'm like dude why yeah ryan thought you have a snake i have two snakes <laughs> i'm a snake slither a little snake, <laughs> I'm a slither, a snake. snake i don't even know how to respond to that but. Do, you, do you know that clip i don't know oh, no, you were so sheltered you got, turn off your bruce St- springsteen records and start like <laughs> getting pass out, on that. get out into the world i'm, get about, out to, into the world. I'm about to drive uh, about three hours to new jersey in a few uh oh in a few gosh. minutes after we leave here and i'm gonna listen to bruce the entire way it's gonna uh, be so I, great i i hope drive through the heartland I of bruce springsteen 
What's your that, trip Paul? to New Jersey is the worst trip of your life, and then you well, will forever correlate Bruce Springsteen oh, never. with the trip to New Jersey. Because I'll tell you, <laughs> I, when I was when I was sixteen, I, I remember I took the PSATs mm. right, and then we had to take a trip up to to Philadelphia. And it took us forever to get there. It was, it was like an hour and 45-minute drive for some reason, I guess because of traffic. Okay. And at the time, this is the time. They were popular then. I was a big Creed fan. Okay. And I listened. Why? It was, dude, you would have liked them too if that was the popular band oh, okay. when you were around. <laughs> all it. right? Got it. So I was 16. I listened to this Creed album, Human Clay, the entire drive up okay. and the entire drive back. And that trip was awful. It was the worst Italian food I'd ever had. It was the most boring drive up, the most boring drive back, the most boring trip. It was it was well, we went to go see my step grandmother and it was just it was just it wasn't a trip that sixteen year olds would enjoy going on. I yeah, I don't And I've forever correlated the human clay album with that trip to Philadelphia and now I can't listen to it. Hmm. And I don't I don't like Creed anymore, but there's still some songs that are nostalgic for me. But I, for, for the most part, I just that album just brings back such terrible memories of that trip. Hmm. Okay, weird. It's not time for the. Well, it's not going to ruin it for why, me. Don't why, worry. Why do you want? Why do? Why do you want Bruce Springsteen to be ruined for Zach? It, it's it's kind of become this 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 um running. It's joke. a bit. It's a bit. It, it, it's it's a bit. I'm not the biggest Bruce Springsteen fan. Um and Zach, I can't is explain like, why either. Zach is like on Ken Weinman levels of Bruce Springsteen wow. fandom. Okay. He is. Right. It's so weird because he's 22, 23. It's a, well, look, it's it's what I grew up listening to, and then I think I got even more obsessed in like high school, and it's just not stopped since then. It, and it's I've it, already it's, been to two concerts this year. I'll be at, I'll be at four by the end of the his year. His fandom, you would think he's in his mid fifties. Mm-hmm. He's in his early twenties. I, I get it. Megan Megan listens thing. to her dad's music too. It's it, it's like you can uh, it's it's. It, it's almost like an obsession with Zach, and but now it's and okay. Now, let's not and 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 <laughs> my dog's name is Bruce, but my dog's name is Bruce Wayne. Oh, and I've made so and, many and, great and jokes about that. They haven't been great jokes. It's just oh, you no, mean your dog been. named after Springsteen? That's the joke. It's the same joke every. You got time. so mad one time when uh, I asked if your dog was born to run on the show, and you got really mad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got yeah. really mad. Yeah, he was he was born to to pee on a Bruce Springsteen album. Wow. All right, read time. your ads. It is time for the payoff pitch. Read your pitch. ads, he says. <laughs> it is time for the payoff pitch around the league. These are all too long ads to read for this, so we'll just do them later. Um, <laughs> Why don't you read the ads, Ryan? <laughs> all right, send them over. No, um, Alright, let's reel it in. The payoff pitch around the league. Austin Hayes led off the home half of the first with a solo shot, and the Orioles never trailed, using six and two-thirds solid innings from Tyler Wells to take down the the Royals three to two. Gunnar Henderson collected his first career three-hit game and stole two bases in the victory. And our rookie of the year favorite Corbin Carroll homered twice and drove in five to raise his average to 307. As the first place Diamondbacks used a seven-run seventh to down the Tigers eleven to six. In a battle of the majors' top two teams, Isak Paredes homered twice, driving in six to lead the Red Hot Rays to their seventh straight victory and 8-3 dismantling of the Rangers. Kike Hernandez and Rafael Devers each homered, while Garrett Whitlock dominated the Bronx Bombers with six in the third innings of one-run ball and a Red Sox 3-2 victory in New York. Kyle Schwarber, the juggernaut of June, walked off the Dodgers 5-4 with his 17th home run of the season, coming with two outs in the bottom of the ninth. It was the Phillies' st- sixth straight victory as they moved back to within a game of 500. Jack Sawinski hit his team-leading 12th home run, but teammate Brian Hayes stole the show with five hits and four stakes as the Pirates doubled up the Mets 14-7. And how hot is Buck Showalter's seat right now? My God, they've been bad. Mm-hmm. Sonny Gray allowed one run in five innings while Michael A. Taylor homered and drove in the game-winning run in the 10th with a sack fly to lead the Twins past the Blue Jays 3-2. to two. 
Cleveland set a modern major league record, scoring game-tying runs in the 7th, 9th, 12th, and 13th innings, and the final go-ahead walk-off runs in the 14th to become the first team in the modern era to come back from a deficit to either tie or take the lead in five separate innings beginning in the 7th inning or later. Taking down the Astros 10-9 in 14 innings, Jose Ramirez homered and doubled in the victory. Marcelo Zuna and Orlando Arcia each collected RBI singles in the bottom of the 8th inning, turning a one-run deficit into a one-run advantage as the Braves spoiled a Friday night for the Nationals 3-2 for their 6th straight victory. Dylan C. struck out 7 over 6 innings of one-run ball, but Liam Hendricks picked up the win in relief when Luis Robert drove in the walk-off run on a single to left in the bottom of the ninth to give the White Sox a 2-1 win over the Marlins, snapping Miami's six-game winning streak. Uh, Ramon Laureano tripled and drove in two to lead the A's over the Brewers 5-2. Nolan Arenado, Jordan Walker, and Nolan Gorman each homered as the Cardinals took down the Reds 7-4. Manny Machado continued his hot return with a home run, and Gary Sanchez continued his renaissance with his fifth home run to lead the Padres over the Rockies 9-6. Shohei Otani homered amongst his three hits while striking out six over five innings, though he did walk five as the Angels eked out a win over the Mariners 5-4. to four. And finally, Seiya Suzuki had three hits, and Marcus Stroman allowed two runs over six and two-thirds innings to lead the Cubs over the Giants. Guess what? 3-2. to two. All right. Ryan, is that a Adley Rutschman jersey? It is. I'm just noticing. Okay. I couldn't tell. I was trying to figure out who it was. I saw the ad on the back. And yeah, I, we're, I, we're going to the game, so I had to head it. Oh, okay. Prepared. All right. Can I, can I say something real quick? Sure. That? I, I, it this has just been in my head since I walked in. You guys were talking about the Rays. Not only have they lost Jeffrey Springs and Drew Rasmussen, they're without Shane Boz, too, who was yeah. right up there with Grayson Rodriguez in terms of the top yeah. pitching prospects yeah. in baseball. It's and crazy. their rotation is still just absurdly deep. Anyway, I don't they're know. They're absurdly deep across the board. They're, yeah. they're unreal. I don't, uh, know, I don't know why I wanted to. Well, we'll get to the Rays and who they're playing today. Uh, the D-backs and the Tigers go head-to-head 1 p.m. Ryan Nelson versus Matthew Boyd. Marlins and White Sox go head-to-head Sandy Alcantara versus Michael Kopech. That's 210 in Chicago. Reds and Cardinals, Andrew Abbott takes on Miles Michaelis, 215 at Bush Stadium. Joe Ryan takes on our favorite pitcher, to be determined, 307 at the Rogers Center as the Twins take on the Jays. Pirates and Rockies, Ryan Weathers, Kyle Freeland, 310 at Coors Field. The Orioles and Kansas City, the Orioles will host them once again as Cole Irvin makes his triumphant return, we hope, uh, as the lefty takes on the righty Brady Singer. Kodai Sanga takes on Johan Oviedo, Pirates and Mets. That's at PNC Park at 4.05. Dodgers and Phillies, Bobby Miller takes on Aaron Nola, 4.05 at Citizens Bank. The Rangers will take on the aforementioned Rays, 4.10 at Tropicana Field. Nathan Avaldi and Taj Bradley go head-to-head there. Mackenzie Gore goes for the Nats. Jared Schuster goes for the Braves. Lefty versus lefty, 4.10 at Truist Park in Atlanta. Athletics and Brewers, Paul Blackburn versus Julio Tejeron. I don't know if I said that right, but I hope I did. Uh, 410 at American Family Field in Milwaukee. Cleveland will take on the Astros after their 14-inning debacle last night. 610 at Progressive Field, J.P. France and Tristan McKenzie as he makes his third start of the year. Cubs and Giants, Kyle Hendricks and John Brebbia, 735 at Oracle Park. Red Sox and Yankees, the classic matchup there, Tanner Houck versus Domingo Herman, 735 at Yankee Stadium. And then finally, last game of the night is a 10 o'clock game. Brian Wu, Patrick Sandoval, Mariners and Angels at Angel Stadium in Anaheim. What a wonderful job you just did. It was so good, it makes me want to sing. Sing, Paul. Oh, say have you seen (laughs) all of Maryland's minor league ballparks? PressBox is giving you the chance to check out all of them this summer. Head over to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest now and sign up to win four tickets to each of the local minor league baseball teams. 
One easy pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms to help you get around. Must be 18 or older to enter and make sure you enter now because the sweepstakes end this Wednesday, June 14th. So go over to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest right now to sign up. I didn't think you were going to hit that high note. That was... Because you started off a little a little flat, yeah. and then bam, he just killed oh, you it. See, had killed to, it with I, the high note. I had to throw in the classic vibrato to mm-hmm. hit the note. I mean, I heard it. it, was to, 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 it was, I know. I, I, I shouldn't be doing this, that's for damn sure. Um, Justin right. Tucker, get yeah. on those yeah. Royal Farms commercials. Oh, my God, man. Can you imagine? I wish I could do anything as well as that man can kick a football yeah. and sing. He's got two things. Why does he get two? I, I don't even have one. He's got two. <laughs> All right. Anyway, <laughs> that's... What a weird conversation. Off the rails. We got uh, to catch a break. When we come back, uh, Ryan Blake's going to join us for some Orioles banter. And then we're going to talk about a really uh, pressing issue, and that is the impact of social media on mental health and anxiety and stress in today's society and just really how awful it is. All that and more next on The Battle Round. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. I'm Griffin Bass, and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second. Glenn, I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me, I had a great time. The great 
Ray Lewis. Always good to be on. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline and listen live at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Bat Around. The Bat Around is brought to you by Press Boxes Glenn Clark Radio, which is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We make this this show so readily available to you. If you're not listening, you just don't want to. And why would you not want to? You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with Dan Duquette, Chuck Pagano, Ryan McKenna, and Ralph Friedgen. That's Friedgen, Zach. You can find those interviews and more right now in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. You guys what, did, did, I, did I butcher it at some point? You did. I you, did? You did. The first time you read his name last year, you called him <laughs> Ralph Friedgen. It was it was something to behold. Did I say Julio Tehran? Is that how you say it? Tehran, something Tehran. like that. Tehran. Tehran. Okay. I, I, I'm I sorry to Julio because I butchered that one too. Then that's right. You're, you're self-aware. You said I don't think yeah, I got that I, right. I, I don't know. I, it's so funny. I gave him a Glenn Clark radio. Um, Glenn Clark radio read one time and it had like um, Kia, oh, yeah. Kia, Ken Nia Matalolo it was, the, and, it was the Navy head coach right wasn't yeah, that what it, I, yeah. it had that and it had like three other names that you like that weren't spelled out phonetically and really should have been and he just it was like like hooked on phonics worked for me well that yeah. happened to me last time I was on the show you had me do a read that had some like I think it was a Hawaiian name oh my god yeah. in there ah, see and, and, and that and that's that's on me for not reading it before I give it to you to be like you know what this I should probably read this, but also why is it not spelled? You know out what? I should probably do this because I, I know how to say well, words. The, I know the, the best tough words. Thing about it, no, it was spelled out phonetically, oh, and it was? that's what threw me off. Uh, like, I, I think that, I that can happen too. Yeah, I think I could have figured it out if I saw the name. Like I'm generally well. Paul doesn't good let me that. do reads anymore, so that's but then I see all these hyphens. <laughs> it just I well. I think I tried like six times. That's and never why said I, it right once. I don't. I'm not even allowed to butcher names anymore. So. I, I, it's so funny. I didn't like actively try to take the reads away from. It just him. started happening. He, he just always did the Glenn Clark read, and yeah. there was, it just yeah. always so happened that there were. No, I did the print read for a while. That's oh, what I did. But you can. You know what? We haven't I, done I'm, that yet. Hey, hey, I buddy. don't care. Hey, 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 <laughs> hey, man. That's, Is there anything I need to uh, get spelled out for me? I, you know what? I haven't read it. Well, that's on you. You asked for it. You got it. That's Ori- nah, it's all good. Orioles. These are all Orioles names. Yeah. All right. There. There you go. You know, I, in my um, in the payoff pitch around the league, for I I I almost said for Isak Paredes, I had I spelled his name out E E hyphen S O C K, so that I would say Isak Paredes instead of Isaac Paredes. So and that almost threw me. I was like. Oh, that's what I did. His name reminds me of Breaking Bad. I can't, I can't hear his name said without thinking of Asak Schrader. Asak <laughs> Schrader? Yeah, like H- Hank Schrader. It's not, it's not Isaac. It's Isak. Isak. Asak. It's so funny, it, man. Like, th- I love that show, and I know what happens in the show, and it's it's the, arguably the best show of all time. I agree with that. I do not remember names from the shows. Hmm. I know Walter White, and I know Jesse Pinkman, and uh, and I know Gus, Gus Fring. Yeah. I do not remember and Sky because she sucked. Skyler, Skyler she, yeah. she was awful. She was Skyler just, White. She was she was awful. But other than that, I don't rem- I don't even remember his son's well, name. His the guy Walter the, Jr. Yeah, it was oh, just, it was just Walter Jr. Jr. Oh, he <laughs> went by Flynn for a while. Yeah, but yeah. A- Asac was his title. It was Hank Schrader. Yeah, yeah. I know Hank Schrader. Yeah, I, yeah, I know Hank. But like, it's like Game of Thrones. People throw out these. 
how the hell do you know who that person is? They all have like Never little finger and I don't I don't even know. And and the gimp and the imp and and it's just like how do you remember the, the raven? The gimp Odor. And the imp. How do you remember these names? How do you remember all like three hundred characters' names and you know who the hell they are just by the mention of them? Anyway, we're getting off of that. No way, we got off in the tangent on the battle round. Whoa. Whoa. Um, <laughs> Orioles banter. Ryan Blake sitting in for general Orioles talk. Hello. And the, the first thing we want to talk about is the lack of offense. And these guys have scored three runs or less in 10 of 14 games. Cedric Mullins got hurt, but that's not really what the issue's been because it hasn't been 14 games since he got hurt. And Aaron Hicks is 8 for 22 with five walks since joining the team. So since Cedric Mullins got hurt, essentially. So that's not what's happening to this team. Guys, what's going on? Ryan Mountcastle, he can't he can't hit his way out of a wet paper bag right now. Anthony Santander has two hits this entire month. Um, yeah. Gunnar Henderson, he's been breaking out recently, but Adley's been struggling. What is going on with this offense right now? And is it more so the fact that we keep having to see guys like Ryan O'Hearn, who's actually swung the bat well, and Ryan McKenna and Adam Frazier in the lineup every day? You can go ahead, Ryan. All right. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's been a struggle. It's been a grind for these guys lately. I mean, we know what we're getting from Mateo. His April was a flash in the pan. Arias hasn't been hitting well, although he did he did homer the other day, but he, he hasn't been hitting well since he came back off the injured list. I, I don't think that losing Mullins is the problem, but I think it has had a ripple effect on the team. Yeah. They don't have a true table setter at the top of the lineup. They put Adam Frazier in the leadoff hole and it he just wasn't getting it done. Uh it's yeah, it's it it's a struggle and I think that, you know, Obviously, there are reinforcements who are hopefully on the way soon. But, yeah, we're having regular lineups with guys like Ryan O'Hearn and, and Aaron Hicks, who's been fine, but he's not going to be he's not gonna be good for a right. long time, I don't, I don't think. Maybe he's a change of scenery guy who's, who something has clicked for him. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys who are struggling right now. Mountcastle's swing looks really, really slow. Mateo's getting a couple hits here and there lately, but has been yeah. very bad since the end of April. There's just there's a lot that's going wrong for this team, yeah. right? I, I think the the biggest thing for the Orioles in the beginning of the year was that productive bottom of the lineup. Guys like Mateo were being really productive out of the eight or nine hole. Adam Frazier was being really productive eight or nine. Uh, James McCann even was putting together a decent start to the season. And now there are these guys, even Ron Arias, who has two home runs all year. There are these guys who, once the lineup gets past guys like Santander, Rutschman, um, and even I'll throw Aaron Hicks into the conversation, and Gunnar Henderson into that same conversation, once they get past those guys, there's nothing to back that up. So these guys get on base, they get left on base, and then when it turns back over to the top, it all happens again. And like you said, it's kind of a ripple effect, because once you add in Mullins, there's just more talent in that you know top of the lineup, which also um, you know just allows more guys to get pushed down in that lineup and, and become more spread out within. So I think that there's a number of causes here, but the, the number one thing is just the guys like Mateo, guys like Arias, guys like McCann have to start hitting better for this thing to start turning around. And yeah. Am I alone in thinking that uh, Gunnar Henderson should be hitting leadoff? I was thinking the same thing. I like Hayes today. there, actually. I really like. I don't Hayes mind there. Hayes against who's he? I don't. He, is he's he better. Against, he's better against righties. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I don't mind Hayes up there. I, I I like to see Gunner near the top of the lineup, and I I felt the same way even before he started hitting as of late. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I, I love Gunner's on base abilities. But Hayes, he's Hayes OBP is like too. what 360, 370. Uh, I don't know if it's that high, but it's it was it even, was that even, high. At one point. Even when he was hitting under 200, his OBP was like hovering around the 340, 350 yeah. area. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think the top three, night in and night out, should be Rutschman, Henderson, 
and Hayes in some yeah. order. I don't hate Adam Frazier there either because then that lets you push Gunner to like a six or seven where he balances out the bottom, like I was just talking about, where there's really nobody down there right now. Yeah. And Ryan McKenna's getting way too much playing time to be yeah. doing what he's doing. I mean, that's another part of all this. And, and Gunner Henderson, the, the OBP's down to 342. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, wow. Batting average up to 220. Up to 220, but the OBP's down to 342. He had Which eight, is still a good number. It oh, is. very good he, number. He, he had like 18 walks through the first three weeks of the season, mm-hmm. and he's got 12 since. Yeah. He, he's at 30 walks, and it, it was one of those things where there was a point where he was like seven for 20, I mean, two for 20, and wasn't and hadn't walked. Right. Um, the walks have kind of started to go down a little bit, but I think he's starting to swing more. I think he's being more aggressive. And that's why I think he's getting more hits. I mean, at yeah. the end of the day, he... He was being almost too patient. Where, yeah, you can take as many walks as you want, but at some point you got to swing the bat and start getting on base that way. But I mean, uh, go, ahead. go ahead. How many how many times, by the way, the first couple months of the season did we watch Gunnar Henderson take pitches that were like middle away, yeah. really good hittable pitches? Yeah. Yeah. It looked like he was up there trying to draw walks. And then in Milwaukee the other night, he takes a, a I think it was a sinker, just off the outside corner, about you know, belt high yeah. and uh, and hits it opposite field for a home run. Hardest I, I hit think, of his big league career. Yeah. yeah. I, those and, and it was a, an opposite field blast in Texas, I think the second week of the season that he got his first home run. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I really, Gunner's, one of Gunner's biggest strengths is going the other way. I don't know if the wall has played into yeah. his mind a little bit, but. Undoubtedly, I think if, everyone. If, if he can get back into, you know, what he does best and be able to take pitches on the outside part of the plate the other way. He's going to be a damn good hit. It, it it took him six weeks to get a hit off a breaking bit uh, off a breaking ball. Yeah. You know, and it's it's he's twenty one years old. We forget that he's the youngest player in the American League. Yeah. He's twenty one years old, and he's facing a level of competition he's never faced before. And you can say that he faced it last year. They didn't know how to pitch to him last year. They had a, they had the six weeks of tape on him to study all off season to come in and and really know how to pitch to this kid. And so then when he starts off struggling, now he's looking at things and he's like, all right, I'm struggling. I'm just gonna get, I'm just gonna swing at my pitch. I'm gonna swing at my pitch, yeah. and and his pitch is not a breaking ball over the outer third or a fastball that paints the out the outside black. It's something that's gonna be in his wheelhouse, and if he's right. not getting it, he's not swinging. So he's walking more, but he's striking out a ton and just right. not get and just not putting bat to ball. I think that the the way he's been swinging, I I, I don't know. His swing has looked shorter the last month or so. Oh, definitely. But you can see him playing right now with a different kind of confidence. He just and you saw it last night because last night he gets the base hits and then he's immediately trying to steal second base. Right. And you're not trying to steal second base if you're not playing with confidence because all you're thinking is I finally got a hit. I'm not going to screw this up by getting thrown out. Now right. he did get picked off twice and one of them turned into an out, the other one turned into a stolen base. Yeah. But you can tell he's playing with a confidence that he just he just hasn't played with yeah. to this point in the season. Um, somebody who's playing with really poor confidence right now is Ryan Mountcastle, and his year has really just fallen flat. 227, 264, 421, um, slash number, the 686 OPS, and an 89 OPS plus. He's got 11 home runs, which leads the ball club. He's got 39 RBIs, which is tied for the lead, uh, the team lead with Cedric Mullins, but he's six for his last 33. Yeah. He hit. I, I was like, man, he hasn't hit since April. And I looked at his April. He hit two forty four in April. Yeah. He hasn't hit since the first two, three weeks of the season, and it's becoming one of those things where now he's lowered to sixth in the order, which is which I like. I like but he's also too. getting a lot more days off. The guy has not run into a pitch he doesn't want to swing at. Right. And it, it's you throw him a slider in the other batter's box, or you throw him a fastball at his shoulders or higher, and for some reason he's swinging out of his shoes at these pitches. Yeah. 
12 walks this year. He has his plate discipline. I get it. He's 25, and he's only in his third full season. Something's got to change, or his scenery's going to change. Yeah, absolutely. Ryan? <laughs> you're the guest. Was, you, you're, was, you're the guest. You I was kind of zoned out for a second. Um, yeah, it's his numbers have declined each year since his rookie season, uh, yeah. which is not an encouraging sign. Uh, I, I know we're going to talk about social media here in, in a few moments, but you remember the haiku I wrote for Chris Davis? That oh, I definitely remember the haiku you wrote. <laughs> yeah, swing the effing bat. You might hit the ball if you swing the bat. <laughs> I might I might need to write a, a haiku of the opposite ilk for Ryan Mountcastle. Take a freaking pitch. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's up there and he, he, he wants to swing at everything. Now, to his, his credit, I think part of, and I, I don't know if this really impacts his confidence or not, Mountcastle's a guy who has taken a lot of borderline pitches off the plate that have been called for strikes. And he always reacts as yeah. if, you know, it, it ruined the at-bat for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's playing a role at all, if he thinks that his strike zone has been expanded because he likes to expand the zone on his own. But he, he has been, you know, not rung up, but, you know, called strike a few times that Definitely. I've seen lately on pitches that were definitely off the plate. And he knew it and he reacted as such and then wasn't able to get anything going. Yeah. No, I mean, there's a number of problems for him right now. And I went on Glenn's show this week and I said that the slash line that he's carrying right now is not of a major league player. And then it's I go not. I go to the game last night and I see that Bobby Wood Jr. has almost the same slash line, like very, very similar across the board. But then you look at Bobby Wood Jr. He's the fastest player in baseball. The defense is really good. Like There's a lot going for Bobby Wood Jr. that Ryan Malcastle doesn't necessarily have. And not to say he's slow or he's a bad defender, but the, the value of Bobby Wood Jr. comes from a number of places and also that he's, what, three years younger than Ryan Malcastle. So for a first baseman, you expect more out of a bat like that. Like if you look at first base and you look at any great first baseman that's been in this league, whether, you're, whether it's Jose Abreu or Miguel Cabrera or whoever it is, consistently you've got to hit better than what Ryan Malcastle is, especially as a bat first position like this is. If this was center field, I might make a totally different case. If this was shortstop, it might be a different case, like we're making for Jorge Mateo, because, they're again, slash lines are somewhat similar. But at first base, you expect way more out of the bat than what he's giving you. That's just what it is. And like you said, a change of scenery is probably coming at some point soon for him if he can't figure this out. So I was just thinking about this, and maybe it's a stupid idea, but do you remember when George Brett, put out those glasses that you wear for infield and it blocks out like the bottom part. Oh yeah. So, yeah. You know what I mean? So like, or maybe the top parts, so you can't pick your head up. You have to look at the ball. Mm-hmm. Mountcastle is really good at getting his hands in on an inside pitch and barreling up an, an inside pitch. His big issue is he can't lay off pitches that break out of the strike zone uh, into the other, towards the other batter's box. And he can lay off pitches that are, that are high. So is there some kind of mechanism that they can put in and maybe I'm just literally um, what's the word I'm looking for here where it's just coming out um, anyway I'm literally ju- just just <laughs> thinking off the cuff here as I'm saying it um, like some kind of mechanism where it prevents him from even being able to swing hmm. at a pitch like just in batting practice prevents him from being able to swing at a pitch that's up here or a pitch that's out here. It's, there's got to be something they can do to, to yeah. force him to not swing at these pitches in batting practice. Or it could be as simple as if you swing at a pitch outside, at any pitch outside, you got to do 50 push ups. <laughs> like every time you hit the ball in the air, you owe me 100 push ups. Like, like something like that, like from Major League. There's got to be something that they can do. For him. And for all I know, because remember, they did that whole medicine ball thing. Yeah. And if the ball hits the, if the baseball hits a medicine ball, it's a ball, right? 
So they did that with Santander and Mountcastle, and Santander set a career high in walks last year. He's already set his second career high in walks for this year. He's on pace to shatter last year's career high. It seemed to work for him. has not worked for Mountcastle. Right. If Mountcastle wants to be an everyday big league player and a, and a contributing everyday big league player, he's got to figure it out because there's a reason they're playing Anthony Santander at first base. There's a reason they're playing Heston Kirst at right. first base. And it's not just, oh, we want our guys to be versatile. It's because Ryan Mountcastle isn't very good right now. Yeah. I mean, there's, again, a lot to improve on and probably not all that much time to do so for him because Heston yeah. Kerstad is now in AAA. He's knocking down the door with every number. Um, he's already, what, 24, 25 at this point? Yeah, 24. 24. So I can't imagine they're going to say he's not ready if in three months he's hitting 300 with a 360-odd base percentage at AAA. That's going to be the move they make. You've got a number of guys that are knocking on the door. We're going to talk about them here in just a second. Let's talk a little bit about the rotation. We're going to try and speed things up here. But Kyle Gibson, his ERA is 387. Tyler Wells is 324. It was down to 312 before Mike Bauman spiked the pitch last night. (laughs) Um, Kyle Bradish, he's at 425. Dean Kramer, 489. But he had been really good for about a month until his last start, which sometimes you're the bug, sometimes you're the windshield. Uh, he was the he was the bug the first month and in his last start he was but he was the he was the windshield the previous month the rotation's been good they've been okay they haven't been great it's really magnified when the offense isn't scoring runs so if they don't go out there and give you seven innings of three run ball there's a good chance you're not winning that ball game right so how are we looking at the rotation? Cole Irvin gets a start today he's pitched really well at Triple he's done everything they asked him to do down there and been dominant. Grayson Rodriguez has also been pitching well. He's stacked back-to-back six-inning starts where he's allowed three earned runs or less. Are we looking at this as these are the guys, the these in-house candidates are what's going to help, or, or the Orioles and everybody else? There's going to be 20, 25 other teams that are going to be out there looking for pitching at the deadline. Right. Are the Orioles going to have to improve this team at the deadline through a trade? I just think it's going to be really tough. Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't see that many starting pitchers who are going to come at a, a low cost and that other teams aren't going to outbid you for. I just, I mean, Corbin Burns is going to be a guy who he's been talked about a lot, but how realistic is that actually with probably 20 other teams looking at making that same move? I, I think, I don't even think the Brewers are, are considering trading him. At You're probably point. right with they're, 34 they're, wins already. Yeah, they're, they're having a great season. They, you know, he has another year of control after this. They might try to trade him in the offseason, but yeah. I don't think he's going to be a deadline acquisition as much as I would love that. No. Um, the other names that have been thrown around, I, just none of them appeal to me too much. Like Anthony Descafani is someone we've talked about on the show. Like, I like him. Maybe. I think Jack Flaherty is a possibility. Um, That'd be huge. You know, I, I, I don't know. It, it's obviously for this to happen, Elias would have to cut into the farm system he's worked mm-hmm. hard to build. And I'm not, I'm not saying that he should not be doing that because there's a reason you have a farm system with this much depth. Yeah, it's to make trades for quality big leaguers, and fans have to be willing to let go of some guys if it's going to help the major league team. Yeah, but. You know, it's yeah, like you said, Zach. There aren't a ton of of enticing names out there. Right. A bunch of other teams are going to be in bidding wars as well. Um, I I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but I think they need to at least you know explore the market with intent. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. I mean, you have to make some kind of play, or you're not you're not really serious about it if you're not making some kind of play in this. Yeah. yeah and look, we we heard uh, Ben Verlander say that the Orioles are a deadline acquisition or two away from becoming a dynasty, supplementing this young talent with some veteran impact players. Um, We heard John Paul Morosi say he thinks the Orioles, before the season started, he thinks the Orioles are going to be a really good team this year and be really active at the deadline to to put them over the top. 
it, it, it the proof's in the pudding, you know, and we, we got to start uh, getting our snack packs, right? Because they need to add Got to start getting our snack packs. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> who ate my snack pack? Usually it's Stan who comes on the show with the, the analogies, but today it's been you. The, well, the bug in the windshield, the snack pack. Yeah. <laughs> well... By the so, way, I think I think John Means timetable being pushed back with with his little setback. I think that also kind of gives you know Elias a kick in the pants and says, "All right, we're not going to get him back when we thought we were going to. Need to go out and get somebody who's right. going to solidify the rotation." Right. And this all comes to your top two pitching prospects have underperformed. Right. You, Grayson Rodriguez should have been should should have been that guy, and he still could be that guy. He could be down there dominating AAA, getting all the confidence in the world, and come up here and be the Grayson Rodriguez we expect him sure. to be. DL Hall has been at times really bad and at times really good uh, down there. They've been deloading him. He only went three in the third the other day, but he only gave up one run in that three in the third. He he went um, three no hit innings to start before that. To start before that, he got shellacked, but. You know, if the if these guys were able to do what we expected them to be able to do at the big league level, we're not having this conversation. Cole right. Irvin comes in, gets three starts, pitches to a ten plus ERA, and gets sound, sent down to the minors. Maybe these guys are what they're going to need. I'm not inclined to believe that. No, uh, but I do. I do think they need to add another starting pitcher. I really think they need a bat. I really think they need a bat, too. and it's got to be. And I'm all on board for either JD Martinez or Charlie Blackman. Charlie Blackman's got even splits and is a career 300 hitter against yeah. left-handed yeah. pitching. Um, I'm totally on board for that or Jorge Soler. But the the Marlins are in it. They they won six yeah. straight going into last night, and they're in second place in that with the Mets, Phillies, and Braves in the NL East. The Marlins are in second place because they, they, they can pitch, man. And Arias is hitting 400. Yeah, that's 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 true. <laughs> that that's, helps. Yeah, that's that's been huge yeah. for them. So it's and, and look, we like Colton Kowser, we like Jordan Westberg. We think Ortiz can be just as good defensively as Mateo, and at least a better hitter than Mateo at the big league level. But none of these guys have proven it at the big league level. Ortiz has gotten a cup of coffee. Kowser and Westberg, they've never been here, and yeah. you can't. We yeah. saw the struggles Gunner's had to start the year. You can't just expect it. Now these guys are also first-round picks who were taken out of college, so they have more seasoning to them. Yeah. But you can't expect them to hit the ground running getting to the big league level. They'll take good at-bats, but what are you really going to get out of them for the next month or two once they're up? It, it's also important to note that Westberg has started slow at just about every level he's been promoted That's to. That's yeah. very true. Kowser, too, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's you know you can't you can't expect them to, to come in and contribute immediately. Maybe they will. You know, it, it, Players get hot, players get cold. I think it's a little bit about timing. A little bit about what kind of groove they're in at the time they get called up, but yeah, I mean, there there are these reinforcements that we think could be helpful, but at the same time, you don't know for sure what you're getting into. I mean, Ryan McKenna crushes AAA pitching, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. It's, it's weird. He absolutely does. And uh, so you never know. You really don't know what you're going to get. There is no such thing as a surefire prospect. Yeah. And speaking of these prospects, and we got to do this quickly. I know. Kowser, just coming off the IL, he's played four games. Last night was the first game that he played where he got to play it start to finish, and he was the DH. He went, I think he went 0 for 4 with a few strikeouts, yeah. but he, he did have a walk. He walked uh, um, walked three times the, the previous game. He's coming. He's going to be here sooner than later, I have to imagine. Would, would Brandon, uh, he has to be. Would Brandon Hyde dare send down his uh, his little golden boy Ryan McKenna? <laughs> his little golden boy. That's who, well, I, mean, I don't he, really he, think it's his decision, but at the end of the day, but uh, I mean, he get, he has input. 
And I'm sure. Lo- I'm sure he he's. Ryan I'm sure he's input. I I think McKenna is someone they view as expendable, and that kind of goes into the question I asked Dan earlier about: Does Elias view him as a Duquette guy and not an Elias guy? And there's mm-hmm. some bias there, and maybe he's going to get rid of Ryan McKenna. You know, Quickler, 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 Quickler the Quickler. Is, that's 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 a new one. New Batman villain. Quick, quicker and easier because he is not an Elias guy and he's a Duquette guy. That's a possibility to me. I, Stan didn't really seem to agree with that, but McKenna has a short leash and i don't think we're gonna see more of a you know super long stay out of ryan mckenna i i just don't expect that he does have an option left too so he's likely not going to be designated for assignment but they could they could send him down and then you look at westberg and ortiz westberg's not on the 40 man who would get taken off is it spencer watkins is it bruce zimmerman at this point is does john lester fall victim here um john lester Josh. I mean, Josh. <laughs> I'm so confused. Okay, Josh. Josh Lester. Lester. I would have to think it's Josh Lester. By the by the way, can I, I say something about Josh so. Lester? Yeah. I I I was down in in Durham for the Tides opening series. Lester had a three homer game, and two of those <laughs> were opposite field over that enormous wall that they mm-hmm. have at 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 Durham Bulls Athletic Park. I think it's called. Uh, he, and he had like an 840, I think, OPS at AAA. I wouldn't mind giving him a little bit of a leash. Uh, maybe he's nothing, but I liked what I saw from him. I'd rather see those at bats from Ryan O'Hearn personally. I mean, I, I think Ryan O'Hearn's been pretty impressive every time he's you, been. You do have two very in similar the players in Lester and O'Hearn. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, do undoubtedly. Think, I do think O'Hearn has earned the opportunity more so than Lester has to this and point. And he provides you a little bit more defensive versatility because he can play the outfield also. They Lester has played a little bit of outfield in the minors. I don't know how good he is out there, but um, yeah, I, it's. I, I just I personally just have a soft spot for him after seeing him homer four times in three days and yeah. three and one it was it was cool, uh, and then with speaking of Westberg and Ortiz and Lester and Watkins and Zimmerman Ryan Mountcastle has two options, he has two options left and I know I know he's a former first round pick he was a I don't think MVP. it's that crazy he's he's. He's getting on base at a Jorge Mateo clip. It's a two sixty seven yeah. on base percentage. I think worse than Mateo now, and, I believe. And he's Mateo's not much better. He's in the two seventies. And he's striking out every at bat. At what point like his last start he went over four with three strikeouts. He did nothing to contribute to that Orioles victory. At what point can you say, look, you gotta go down and get some confidence? We got we got to get you. We got to do. We got to pull Grayson Rodriguez here and send you down and get you some confidence before we're confident putting you back into our lineup every day. And does that provide you the room to bring up Westberg? Um, or Westberg, you you have to make a roster move. Like you have to make a a forty man move to get him right. up here. But that's coming. They, these guys don't have anything else to prove. No. You know, it's just what are they willing to to do? And how quickly are they willing to do it? Because now, like Stan said it earlier. You know, it's time for the for the 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 rubber to hit the road. We gotta get we gotta get moving here and make this push for the playoffs. And you can't do it with guy with multiple guys in your starting lineup whose uh, on base percentages are sub two eighty. You you can't. You know, it, you know, it's funny. A guy's on the team long enough, and you kind of forget that you can just option him. I I didn't even consider the fact that Mountcastle might have options left. Yeah, yeah, I could see it happening. Yeah, he's got, you know, you he, know what just popped into my head though that terrifies me just, at just the thought. What if they do promote Kowser or Westberg, but to make room on the forty man because we don't have the timetable, Cedric Mullins is transferred to the sixty day IL. I think that's. I don't know. Very if, possible. I don't know if he's. They said three weeks. to be out that long. Yeah, we we haven't gotten anything concrete. They didn't even tell us yeah. what grade the strain is. It's been nine days though. I know, but I I'm I'm a little worried that it might be a longer absence than we're anticipating. And I, 
I I don't know. I just it popped in my head that maybe we'll get the thrill of a prospect call up with the the despair, the dismay, dis- yeah. despair of seeing that Mullins is out for two months. Yeah, very Look, possible. Uh, we're gonna catch a break here. We have another segment we have to do before we even do take to rake. We're gonna skip the better round today. I'm not prepared for it, and we have too much more to go over. We'll get to, we'll get back to the better round next week. Um, just want to remind you, today's show is brought to you by. Uh, Press Boxes offers their contests. Uh, if you haven't seen all of Maryland's minor league ballparks, Press Box is giving you the chance to check all of them out this summer. All you have to do is head over to pressboxonline.com slash contest now and sign up to win four tickets to each of the local minor league baseball teams, one Easy Pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25, and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms to help you get around. Must be 18 or older to enter, and make sure you enter now because the sweepstakes end this Wednesday, June 14th. So go over to pressboxonline.com slash contest right now to sign up. When we come back, we're going to talk with Ryan about um, social media and its impact on mental health. That's next on The Battle Round. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports. Sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farms stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. 
Hey, oh, super fans, Marvel Superhero Day is coming to Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Saturday, June 10th, when the O's play the Kansas City Royals at 4.05. Be one of the first 25,000 fans 15 and over at the game to receive an exclusive Adley Rutschman bobblehead inspired by Captain America. Come out to experience the Marvel Universe at Oriole Park and arrive early for Early Bird Saturdays. Gates open two hours before first pitch with happy hour, live music, and more. Buy tickets now at Orioles.com tickets. These are the final days for you to pick up this print edition of Press Box. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles, diving in on last year's number one overall pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson and Bo Smolka profiles what progress would mean for the 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Coming next week, a new print edition of PressBox that celebrates the enduring legacy of Ravens legend Tony Siragusa. You should oh, let him do those more often. That was solid. That was good. That was, that, that, that was solid. Yeah. Yeah. That was, when not, there's, when well there's done, no Dad. names I can butcher. It, it's I mean, it's yeah. not a matter of not letting him do it. I just started feeling bad because he was struggling so much with so was, many That was like names. twice. Let, let's be honest. That, that was, was the, the Niamatololo. It, it, was, it was more than twice. It was more than twice. I don't know twice. about that. It, I do. I well, got I, a me- memory I, I like did, an elephant. I, I probably it did it like 50 times at least. Like somewhere around there. Yeah, and you were about an 80%. Nah, I'll give myself 95 it, no. was, it, it was it was that was, one read I specifically remember was a train wreck. But was, outside of that, was, <laughs> there wasn't that was. many bad when, ones. But I think it, the decision came after you called Ralph Fridge and Ralph Fridgigin. That was uh. I mean, look that <laughs> working in Baltimore sports. If you don't know who Ralph, how to pronounce Ralph Friedgen's name, maybe the most the, the most important coach in Maryland football history. Since well, I don't pay attention to Maryland football, so I don't. But you work in Baltimore. No, sports. no offense. Any any who's a what's it's. As I'm bullying Zach on the show right now, <laughs> literally, I'm getting, yeah, I'm, but get, it, I'm getting bullied, Ryan. But, but, you don't want to help me out, like what you bystander? <laughs> you are, yes, you yes, are, I am. You are complicit in this. Yeah. Um, no, this is we, this we, is your show. He can bully you if he wants. That's no, true. I, that, I, that is true. I don't look at it as bullying. No, Zach, it's not. Zach, Zach knows. Zach and I golf, and he comes oh, to watch yeah. football games. Zach and I are friends. He it's, he knows it's all from love. It's not that you made the conscious decision to not allow him to do ads anymore. It's that you don't trust him to do them. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's basically what I he's think saying. That's, what's that's what here. he's saying. He's saying that Niamatololo is if you uh, want too hard something done right, you do it yourself. That's that's true. All right. Well, that's, that's point for Paul. You know, Zach? and it's not <laughs> uh, it's not an indictment on your character, or your it's intelligence. <laughs> it, there were just so many names that were butchered. I was like, I I wow. I just got to get because at some point you have to realize that you're talking about somebody who is in the ad, and we have we're mm-hmm. being paid mm-hmm. money for yes, these things. Right. So you got to get their name right. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. It's nothing against you. It was just like I got to make sure these names are an are indictment right. on my character. <laughs> it's not. It's not. I like you fine. You're 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 no, a good I pre- guy. I appreciate you're, you you're liking solid, me fine. You're a Thank solid you. dude, man. You, Thank you. You, you I are. hope so. And speaking of which, I th- I think that this room is filled with solid dudes, right? And I think that we all have our good qualities. We all have our weaknesses. Some of our, some, we all, everybody's flawed, right? Nobody is perfect in this world. But 
what sucks is that when you're on social media, if you're not perfect, uh, people have no problem letting you know. Um, and that's one of the reasons, not the main reason, but one of the reasons that Ryan's in studio right now because he is very flawed. And no, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, it's because Damn. now I'm the bystander. Actually, no, that it's, me no. it's it's because of the fact that Ryan is a known Twitter personality. Ryan's got two Twitter handles. He's got at uh, Rye Guy Blake, which is like his personal one, and he has at Orioles Fan Ryan, which used to be at Orioles Fan Probs, and. Right. He's got what is it? Seventeen thousand, eighteen thousand fans right now. Yeah, not, 18, not to flex or anything. Yeah, and, I don't know if they're I don't know if they're fans, but they're they're followers. followers. They're yeah. followers, and they follow him because he puts out great content, and he always has. And he's a. Uh, it's when the team is playing poorly, he lets them know. When the team is playing great, he lets them know, and he does it in a way that's endearing. You know what I mean? And and it, and it's it's a fun handle. It's a fun follow, but it's becoming not fun. It's becoming a source of anxiety. I'll tell you that you may not like people that live tweet during games. If I'm watching the game, I'm live tweeting because I want to interact with other fans. I want to talk about the games with other fans. And I get a lot of crap for some of the stuff that I say because I don't think that everything's rainbows and butterflies. That's not the world that we live in. It never has been. It never will be. You know. And the Orioles, for how great they've been the last year and a half, they have weaknesses on their team they are not a perfect team they weren't they didn't make i'm an orioles guy and they didn't make my top five for power rankings because their offense has been weak their starting rotation is middling and their bullpen aside from cano and bautista has been less than desirable especially recently Mm -hmm. right but for some reason we're not allowed to say that you're not allowed to tell the truth about this team it has to be oh they're great and brandon hodge the greatest manager ever and ryan mckenna should be would be starting on any other team in baseball and it's like these aren't facts do you, do you want me to lie to you and sugarcoat everything just to watch them fall short in the playoffs? Or do you want me to tell you the truth and tell you what I think is going to get them there? No, I don't think I'm a general manager and I should and I can do the job better than Mike Elias. No, I don't think that I can manage the team better than Brandon Hyde. But I have my opinions on baseball. I'm in this seat for a reason. I know baseball. These are This is how I feel. A lot of times I say stuff that I think will work, and it doesn't work. A lot of times I say stuff that I think will work, and it does work. But if you don't agree with somebody who thinks that we should just be happy that the Orioles are good again, you are a lightning rod for negative tweets. I have a couple of numbers here for you, right? Cyberbullying, and I got this from verywellfamily.com. Cyberbullying increases suicide attempts by 8.7% and suicidal thoughts by 15%. Cyberbullying alone does that. That's not, those aren't small numbers. According to the same source, again, verywellfamily.com, Simply a 1% drop in cyberbullying would decrease fatal suicide rates by 11 for every 100,000 individuals. That's not a small number either. 11 out of 100,000 is a small fraction. It's a small percentage. But when you think about 11 lives being saved for just a 1% drop in cyberbullying, it is something that we absolutely need to be talking about. We absolutely need to be focusing on. And let's be clear. Be, be clear. I don't believe that anybody in this room has suicidal thoughts. Uh, and if you do, you know, we don't have to say it on the air, but talk to me afterwards. You know what I mean? Um, but we've all experienced the nastiness that comes out on social media from the so-called fans who can't handle when somebody has a different opinion. And that's why Ryan's here. Because Ryan reached out to me the other night and, and said he wanted to take a break from our podcast, if you don't mind me saying that on yeah, the air. Yeah, no, he, I don't. He, I don't. He said he wanted, he wanted to take a break from our um, podcast, the um, Give That Fan a Podcast for Utah Street Report. And his reasoning was, 
100% understandable. And I don't want to steal your thunder, so Ryan, you're here for that reason. Tell us about the experience and what's going on and why you decided you wanted to do that. Yeah, so first of all, I, I don't I don't think I have anything really profound to say about this. It's kind of just a, a discussion as far as I'm concerned. I don't have any, you know, crazy words of wisdom or anything. But, yeah, you know, the other night I, I watched the Orioles lose again, and I was scrolling through Twitter, and I was looking at replies to different tweets, and it was just all doom and gloom. And these five things have to change right now. I, I'm, uh, it's It just... It got to the point where I was like, I, I've been running this Twitter account for, I think, this is year 11 mm-hmm. of, of Orioles fan Ryan, formerly Orioles fan Probs. And it's been great, and I've loved it, and I still do love it. But as the expectations with the Orioles have gotten higher, it has become, it, 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 it's like Raven's Twitter. Raven's Twitter, I think, is, is largely awful. Oh, it's incredibly it, toxic. Yeah. No, no doubt. No and Orioles Twitter is starting to become the same way in the sense that you and you I think you tweeted this the other day and I don't mean to steal your thunder but it, it you know sticks in my head you said something along the lines of if you're you know if you're okay with how things are going then you're a suck up and if you are disappointed with anything you're a hater and mm-hmm. there's no in between yes and that's entirely true and I just I was sitting there and I was looking at Twitter and I was like I just don't have the energy. I'm getting married a year from from yesterday. Uh, you know, I've got different priorities that are coming up in my life, and I just don't know if I have the energy to you know make this commitment mm-hmm. to you know doing a podcast or doing even the writing for press box. I, I I write fantasy baseball for you guys twice a week, and sometimes it feels like a chore, and that's just the way it is. That's and that's not anything to do with press box. It's just that you know I have to remind myself. Oh yeah, I need to you know talk about these waiver wire acquisitions or something, and it's it almost takes me back to when I was in Pennsylvania working for um, Sports Info Solutions, and it it that job I enjoyed it, but it made baseball feel like work, mm-hmm. and I've started to feel like that a little bit. Like I I feel like I have this responsibility to my Twitter followers. I feel like I have this responsibility to Utah Street Report to continue doing a podcast, and sometimes I just you know. I'm in that mindset where I just don't have the energy for any of it. And I, I legitimately, when I texted you the other night, I wanted to do one more podcast episode and then take a break, length undetermined. I wanted to delete Twitter from my phone. And the, the thing that keeps me coming back is like, I guess it's FOMO, where I get everything from Twitter these days. I, I am physically incapable of deleting the app no matter how badly I want to. I am too. I, I have to be able to get the, the alert from MLB trade rumors when something happens. I have to be able to get yeah, the alert yeah, from definitely. MLB home run when a, a player goes yard so I can keep track of my different fantasy teams on different platforms. You know, it, it's it's little things like that that keep me on Twitter. But it's just it's become a place where everyone always has some kind of way to disagree with you and people are becoming more confident in their takes. There are people who just relentlessly respond to the Orioles Twitter and Rock Kubako and Nathan Ruiz and fan accounts and they're all over the place just constant negativity under mm-hmm. everything even when things are going well there's something wrong and like you can't win you can't I tweeted the other night when when the Orioles were getting shellacked in game two against the Brewers by Corbin Burns I said uh and this was this was my way of trying to feel better because mm-hmm. I was I was upset that the Orioles were losing again. They were on a bit of a rough stretch. They had lost, I think, seven of eleven or mm-hmm. something like that going into that game, and were losing again. And 
to make myself feel a little better and to put a little bit of positivity on the timeline, I said the Baltimore Orioles are still going to have the third best record in baseball when we wake up tomorrow. Yep. And then I get I get called out for like you know, oh, we're going to we're going to point to the Orioles record as a reason this is this is okay. No, I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not saying I'm not upset. I'm not saying that I'm not, you know, looking at this team and seeing their flaws and understanding that things need to change. I'm just pointing out that like yeah, we're in a little bit of a rough stretch right now, but we have the third best record in baseball. Things are going to get better. They're going to get hot again. And sure enough, they've won their last two. And I, I just, I don't know, man. It's just, it's a lot sometimes. It, it, it is. It is. And there's, I can't tell you how many tweets I've deleted. I can't, without, as I've typed them out and I've been like, I can't handle the, the responses. I, I can't do it. The anxiety that I get from it. And I have a stress and anxiety inducing job. I've got, you know, I've, I've got a wife that I, that I have to tend to at home. You know, I've got things going on in my life where it's like, I love baseball. I love the Orioles. I love live tweeting because it's fun. Like I said, I like to interact with the fans, but I do not want to do it and then have to spend my, spend, you know, the next two days getting 87 responses Half of which are are saying you don't know ball or O's fans exposed or one guy tried to get Adam Jones to to gang up on me with yeah. him and what he didn't know is that meanwhile I'm having an hour and twenty minute and not to put Adam stuff out there but I'm having an hour and twenty minute conversation with Adam Jones at the exact same time about mental health through direct messages on Twitter and this guy's trying to act like and I don't know Adam I don't know him but. He's trying to act like he knows what Adam is, it, it, that Adam hates me. You know what I mean? And that he's going to, and that he, I'm the exact type of person that he doesn't like. And it's like, then why is he talking to me for an hour and 20 minutes about mental health and social media? And why did he ask me to send him the link to the show? Because he thinks it's something that's, that's important. You know what I mean? And it's, and that's, I'm not saying that for clout. I'm saying it because there's a lot of people out there that are going to come at you with negativity. And I know that a lot of these people, you'll notice they don't even have their picture on their Twitter profile. It's all a cartoon or a blank page, or but it's not them. It's not their picture. The person that bullied you, you don't know what he looks like, I mean, unless you've met him in person. It's not a, uh, it's not a picture. It's a picture of um, Michael Elias's belly. Yeah. Like you know, you know what I mean. Like so, and look, I don't, I don't necessarily equate it to bullying. I think it's just sports fans being sports fans. But like, there's right. there's a certain point where it's like, all right, we get your shtick, like. Well, at the end of the day, it's it's keyboard warriors. That's yeah. what mm-hmm. everyone is. And, the, you know, you sit down behind your computer and you go on Twitter and you're angry about something, so you go yell at someone else. And that's what people do. They're not going to come up to Ryan or you on the street and right. start telling you how much they hate you and how much you're a stupid fan, how much you don't know ball. I mean, that's just – it's that's the internet. And that's the world we live in. And that's the – honestly, I – I, I equate it a lot to the political climate we live in, the very polarized political climate where it's either you're on one side or the other. There's nobody really in the middle where you either agree with one thing or you agree with the other. Mm-hmm. And that's the same way it is about sports. Either you know are, are happy about the Orioles or you either hate them and you want everything to, to change. That's the world we live in, and that's the way people are always going to be, and they're always going to be reactive. And, yes, you're, you're exactly – I had a guy who I reported him to Twitter – he created a, an account, and his I, and, and his Look, name is at Vol Pally, and it's a picture of me <laughs> from like 2014 when I used to have a buzz cut. <laughs> Look, this is how you know you made it. All right, I I, I get that um, it's that, weird you know, and creepy and it's, annoying. It's really weird. That's yeah. that's really weird, but, but it's also kind of funny. I'm it's, not, it's, I'm a, not, it's a little I'm, bit of a show of respect, uh, just a little bit. Yeah, you know what. It, it, Imitation is the best form of flattery. It I is, say. And, and but but here's the thing, 
my whole point with all of this, and it's not to say that I have all these hardships. I don't. I have a good life. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I have a good life, and I I'm able to separate. Yes, it gives me anxiety. It makes me de- delete tweets. It makes me think twice about things. It makes me interact less than I have in the past now because it's not worth it. Yeah. But I can separate. Yeah. There's a lot of people that can't. There's a lot of people that exactly. can't. There's a lot exactly. of people that get on these social media platforms and they say something and they get attacked by the masses. And they have somebody trying to get trying to get an entire fan base to, by well, using the hashtag of the fa- of, of the team to get an entire fan base to gang up on this person. And you have no idea what that person's going through at home, right. at work, with their kids. You have no clue. And maybe this was the final straw that broke the camel's back. Right. And it's just such a toxic environment. If I want to talk about the baseball, if anybody wants to talk about the team, good or bad, they should be able to do it. Yeah. They should. Be, if, if you think that the, that the Orioles are the worst team in baseball, that's fine. But if I'm gonna, if we're, we're gonna have a discussion, be civil. There's no reason you can't be civil. At the end of the day, too, when you're a fan assessing players, you've got to be able to separate performance from their personal lives. Yep. And yep. that's something you don't see a lot of on Twitter. No, mm-hmm. You see so many threats. I mean, you talk, you see players getting threats all the time. I, I think it more happens in the football world than it does baseball yeah. because you play 17 games a year and every one matters a lot more than 162 in baseball does. But you see football players all the time getting you know threats to their family or whatever because they dropped a pass or whatever it is. And it's just... That that's again the world we live in and the reactive world that we live in. Yeah, and and, and to that point, and I think that this is a, this is going to be a good way to close this. Is we can we're talking about social media and how it's impacting our lives and other people's lives and and how negative it can be. And think about the fact. And Adam Jones opened my eyes to this. And it's not that I wasn't aware, but I was kind of ignoring it. Baseball players, they do they they have this superhuman ability. You have to have superhuman ability to play sports at the professional level. But that doesn't mean that they're that they're superhuman. They see these tweets. Anthony Santander liked a negative tweet of mine last year because yeah. it, it, that stuff motivates him. He goes through a, a, a couple times a year and looks searches his name on Twitter and likes all the negative posts because it feeds him. It fuels him, right? Uh, some people aren't able to do that, you know? And Adam says to me, he, he came, he told me... Um, and I'm paraphrasing here. Y'all are, are on Mateo's junk when he was really great in April, and then as soon as he starts playing badly, you want to hate on him. And to to, to my to, to my credit, I I didn't back down. I explained to him why I had the opinion that yeah. I had, and I think he respected that because there's so many people yeah. that are going to back down and, to and, a professional. Yeah, athlete. and I think it's fair to to criticize performance. I mean, that's right. again, you know, that's what they're being judged on uh, within the Major League Baseball stage, and it's a sport where millions of people watch and millions of people have the ability to judge you. What we're not doing is saying Jorge Mateo is a terrible person, or we're right. trying to attack his personal life because that is out of line. And, and you're that, not, that's you're not tagging him, you're not messaging him, you're right. just you're tweeting out to the exactly. people that follow you that also care about the same things you care about. Exactly. You're saying, you know, this is this is what's happening. Saying we have to have a conversation about Jorge Mateo at one point or another, that's fine. Attacking the guy and calling him a piece of crap or a exactly. piece of garbage or anything exactly. like that, that's not okay. We have to find a middle ground where we can, you know, say, look, this guy, he can be the greatest guy. In the world. I have nothing against Ryan McKenna. Right. I don't believe he should be on the Orioles team. I, I, have exactly. no, I have nothing yeah. against him, but I think that the Orioles are at a point now where Ryan McKenna isn't one of those players that makes the team better anymore. Right. It's like Stan said in the early part of the show. If if they were 30 games below 500, he he's got a spot. Which is, at the end of the day, the same decision that the boss of Ryan McKenna actually has to make. Yeah. It's it's not like this is the decision that nobody's making. Someone actually has to make this decision. So what you're doing is making uh, your, I, I guess, 
you're giving your best advice for what that decision should be. Not that Michael yeah. Elias is going to take it or care, I'm, but I'm giving that's my take. what Twitter is. I'm never going to give Michael Elias advice, but I'm giving my take. And if a lot of people like it, there's a way to disagree with me that doesn't make me yeah. feel like I should, you know, go run into oncoming traffic. And a- AJ, AJ makes the remark that we have said that about Aroldis Chapman, but he also said it was well-deserved. And, <laughs> and frankly, no, Ar- frankly, it is well-deserved. If you are a crappy person. If you're a piece of crap, if your name is yes. Aroldis Chapman or Domingo Herman and you like to hit women, no, you're a piece of there crap. There are things go, go walk that they've traffic. done that they deserve to be in prison over. Yeah, it is, yeah. is yep. what it is. And they aren't because they're professional right. athletes. Right. Right. And, that's, and that's what it comes down to. What fans also have to understand is even if the, the player is not on Twitter or active or following you, their families are. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. I, I've I've yep. noticed followers are like Adley's mom follows me. Grayson's mom and dad I think both follow me. Like and you see Caroline see, Means out there. Yeah, much I, at a much higher level. I've yeah. I've clicked through like recent followers here and there over the last few years, and I'll uh, every once in a while I'll see like a, a player's wife or sister yeah. or brother, yeah. or, mm-hmm. you know, someone, you know, who is actively seeing my tweets, and if they're seeing my tweets, they're seeing. A lot of tweets. Yep. Yeah. And Wait. so, you know, and that's going to get back to these players. And, you know, not not that these players should be, you know, shielded from ridicule because that's, that's not, part of being a professional athlete. That's, that's not what not, we're saying. That's not the world. Right. Right. But, I mean, it, yeah, it, when it when it gets personal it be, and it becomes a ta- an attack on character, yeah. kind of like Zach with yeah. his ad. Really, <laughs> yeah, right. It's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's a step over, over the line. Yeah, Paul how, do, Paul, how do you defend that? <laughs> No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm just, kidding. I'm, I'm totally I'm joking. I, I missed the last part, so I would have to have a refresher on what you just said anyway. I, doesn't matter. Important. Doesn't matter. Um, and, and like Lacey DaCosta. Yeah, exactly. She, she's a great she example. She's so of it. active on Twitter, and everybody loves her. Yeah. But the second that the Ravens sign a player and it doesn't work out, or right. this, somebody's attacking, and not some, multiple people are attacking, attacking her. her. Like yeah. she had anything to do with it. It's not right. like she's giving Eric DaCosta advice on go right. sign DeAndre Hopkins so this team isn't going to be anything. Like, right. like what are you, what are you thinking? She's simply, you know, his wife, not his advisor, anyone who even right. works for the Ravens. Uh, and frankly, again, you can't attack character of Eric DaCosta. This is his job. This is what he's here to do. And yes, does he deserve to be in the public light because he is the GM of a, a major sports franchise? Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. He absolutely. And, and and can you criticize his moves? Absolutely. But again, you're not going to attack his wife because of something he did. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Right. At, at end of the day, nobody's immune to it. Nobody is shielded or protected from it. Right. We're we're all out there, and Adam said to me, "God, I, I'm I'm not name dropping. I swear I'm not name dropping. <laughs> it's just a conversation I had that made me want to do this. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And he said to me, you know, um, that we just we all need to be better. We have more access to players than at any point in in history, it, aside from back in the '50s when they weren't making the money that they are now, and they had jobs, and you could see them at your local bar and stuff like that. But like, there's more access to professional athletes than there has been in more than half a century. Undoubtedly, yeah. And yeah. we've just we've got to be better. We've just all got to be better. Like you may not think it, but this is impacting people to the point of of suicide. And that's not going to happen with us, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen to somebody right. that we know. It, it could happen to our neighbor. You have no idea. Let's relax. Let's chill. It's baseball. It's football. It's sports. You know, we can all agree that we love the team, and let's just move forward from there and try to be the best version of ourselves. We should all try to be like Justin Labour. That's a good yep. point. That's a great point. Yep. That, that, that guy was dealt a rough hand from the, from the outset, and he always kept a positive attitude. Undoubtedly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's close things out here as my computer just went to sleep. I'm not sure I put the right password. Nope, I did put the wrong password in. Uh, It is time for Take Two Rake. So... 
Take to Rake was two weeks ago. We had Connor Newcomb on the show. Zach, you took Cedric Mullins. I took Ryan Mountcastle, and Connor took oh, great Gun- picks. Gunner <laughs> Henderson. Uh, Cedric Mullins went one for eight in the three games that he played before okay. getting hurt. Ryan Mountcastle went five for 33 and did not play last night. Gunnar Henderson entered last night six for 27. We were going to call this a wash, and then he went three for three with two steals and a run scored. Yeah. Um, so nine for 30. That's a 300 batting average. On base percentage, probably a little bit higher next. I'm sure he walked a time or two. He had the, the, the um, insurance run, home run um, against the Brewers in that Orioles six to three victory the other day. I, I think the victory goes to the guests. Um, yeah, it has to. It, it, it was to. it was going to be a wash until Gunner went one for th- it went um and actually Gunner was uh five for twenty three. Okay. And I assumed he was going to go something like one for four, so I put it in there in my notes just in case he did. <laughs> he was he was one for twenty three and now uh, five for twenty three and now he's eight for twenty six. The, the since we picked, so that's clearing away the winner. Ryan, that means you get to pick first. Oh, sweet. Okay. Um, gosh, I haven't looked ahead. Who do we play this week? Hold up. Doesn't Ryan have his own category as well, though? He's not what? part of the guests tally. I thought we decided that. I have um, my own category? He, yes, you do because you're part of the show. Oh, you, you're, you're, I, you're a go-to uh, fill-in. Have so, I won before? You have this year, I believe. Sweet. I See, I never follow up. I, I, I come in, and then I'm not on the show the week after, and I, I don't think to ask who won Take to Rake. I had the I had the standings. I so I th- I had three wins. The guests now have what four? I think Paul, you have two, and Ryan has one. I want to say that's our standings. Um, the guests now have maybe they have four. Um, four. The guests that th- yeah. this is a guest fourth win. Zach, you have three. I have two. Ryan, no, no. Th- this was a guest third win. This was win. this okay. was a guest third win. Um, they've won three. Ryan's won one. Yep. Um, you've won three and, and I've won two. two. Yep. So, Ryan, your pick. All right. So we got the rest of the KC he's, series. He's Toronto. our guest today. Yep. Toronto's coming to town, which inclines me to pick Ryan Mountcastle, but he's been struggling, and despite a homer in the last series in Toronto, he did go, I think, one for 11 in that series with the home run. The Cubs come in. Or we, then we go to Wrigley Field. Interesting. Okay. Give me... Holden Kalser. <laughs> <laughs> I was ju- I was kind of running through my head. I was like, should I take Westberg? Uh, no, give me. Uh, you know what? He's he's been really good. He was good last night. Give me Austin Hayes. All right, like Ryan's gonna pick. take Austin Hayes. My up next is that how this works? Um, yeah, because you have okay. you have more wins than me. Give me Gunnar Henderson. All right, so Ryan takes Hayes. Zach takes Henderson. I gotta do it. He's gonna break out. I gotta take Adley, okay. right? I have to. Oh, yeah, like sure. I, yeah. I I have to. He, although I've taken him three times this year, one time he went five for five on opening day and got me a victory, and yeah. this is my third time taking him. The other time he went one for nineteen. Hmm. So actually, no, it's my my. This is my fourth time taking him. I don't think he got me the win last time. Paul takes Adley. All right, Adley, I'm counting on you, man. You, you've been struggling a little bit. <laughs> I think he's. I think he's gonna break out because he has to. He's gonna be point. fine. Yeah, yeah. Is he still right. leading the AL in OBP? He's leading in walks. I know that much. He walks out. Yeah, the, the average has dipped a little bit. I think he's below 280 now, but uh, the walks are still number one. So, all right, really good show today. Thank you to Ryan for coming in studio and joining us and having a 
on a goofy, wacky show, we had a really nice, serious conversation. I hope we didn't go off the rails with that. I hope it hit the mark that it was supposed to hit instead of it being me name-dropping Adam Jones. That wasn't the point. Um, thank you to Stan for his weekly segment. Thank you to Zach for the great work he does every week for us on the show. And thank you to all of our fans and all of our sponsors. Without either of you, we don't have a show. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for supporting us. And we certainly appreciate it. Ryan, go enjoy the game today, Zach. Enjoy your drive up to New Jersey. I'm headed, headed to the gym and then to the restaurant. Until next week, see ya!